Ladies and gentlemen of the gang, boys and girls, this is your host with the most, King Issa Ali, and I proudly present to you another episode of the Professional Playboy Podcast. And today's episode, we got a very, very special guest. I'm talking about a man who is uh, author of three books one of the books you oh seven books seven books excuse me excuse me but we gonna just uh i'm just gonna list a few of them we got the author of the pimp game the instructional guy i'm talking about no one else has an instructional guy but this man we got the secrets of mind manipulation we got along for the ride pimping ain't easy but somebody got to do it all available at amazon.com I'm talking about the man was featured on National Geographic. Can you? I, I don't think y'all really hear me. The man was featured on National Motherfucking Geographic. People want to interview him. I'm talking about National Geographic is known for exploring wildlife. They want to explore the life of the goddamn gang. And the man, the myth, the legend that is Mickey motherfucking Royal. How you doing today, my guy? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Wait a minute. Uh, okay, okay. That's what I like to hear, man. You on the right side of the dirt. I, I, man, listen. You ain't never lied about that. So go ahead, man, and uh, let's go, give a proper introduction of yourself, man. Let us know. Who you are and, and what you've done and, and what you represent. Okay, that would never take a long time. So let me um condense everything. You know, um what I've been, well, I've authored seven books. Uh I, I get, I've produced and directed close to five hundred adult films in my lifetime. Uh for Hustler, Playboy, primarily gentleman's video, uh Heat Wave, um, Black Market, Cinderella, list goes on and on. Okay, I was um, a former, as you say, mob enforcer, and we'll break that down. A mm. professional gentleman of leisure, 37 years of my life in the game. Um, what else have I done? Um, I hate to say it, but yes, a trafficker. Mm. Uh, former drug dealer, former gangster, former gangsta. One with an ER, one with an AH, and... I mean, I can go on and on, but I don't like to toot my own horn. I like to let, let it do it. So, <laughs> I'm not really into um, emotional, psychological masturbation. I can dig so that. So I really like to pat myself on the back or do that kind of thing. It's, it's really weak and beneath me, you know. So you can, if you want to know about me, you can just Google my name. I can dig that, yeah, man. Or you can go to Amazon and go to the office page or MickeyRoyal.com. We can dive right into it. You know? right, let's dive right into it, man. So before we talk about uh, how you got into the game and, and your life and times in the game, give us a, a brief, as brief as you can, I'll say, um, background of how you came up and some of the things that you've done leading up to the game. Oh, geez. We'd have to go all the way back to 1986 when I was 13 years old. Oh. You can see those pictures on the page. And I got um, pictures and Pimpin' Ain't Easy, but somebody got to do it. 
You know, you'll see me with the gold chain, the gold watch, the beeper. Got a 22 in my pocket. I'm in the seventh grade. I'm 13 years old. I got 15 adults working for me at the time. So we can go all the way back there. You know, are we talking about the pimp game in particular? Sex trafficking? Are we talking about the sex trade? You got to be specific when you ask me questions because I can go on and on at midnight. Listen, if I'm, 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 I'm here to listen to your story. So whatever you see fit, I'm, I'm here to listen to it. Uh, I've been everywhere and done everything, you know. Like I told you, I've done time in various prisons. Everywhere I've gone, I've done time. Because if you do crimes internationally, you're going to do time internationally. Mm. We spoke earlier about Sao Paulo, Brazil. We spoke about Tijuana. You know, I have um, various ones. Sylvie County, Penal Farm, Memphis, Tennessee. And all the rest of my time was done in California. Okay. You know. Let, 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 let's, let's, let's rewind a little bit, man. Because you were, you, whoo. Okay. How did you get from? How did you? I mean, I, and you know, it's one thing to do your crimes domestically. How did you get international with that? I tell people it's a natural ascend or descend. I have a bad habit of saying yes, and I'll try anything twice. Mm. You know what I mean? So I tell people it happens like this: you meet certain people, you're in a circle. One person in that circle says, "I heard about you." They'll talk to you private and say, I got this thing over here. Would you be interested? I never said no to anything. So you start off on the street, and next thing you know, you're in South America. Right. years later, doing X, Y, and Z. And I don't have a fear receptor. Mm. I was just born that way. I have bipolar disorder. I have slight Asperger's. And I have PDA. The same, they show PDA in the movie The Joker. Oh, wow. And psychiatrist, now, what? all collides together. And he said, you produce so little dopamine and actually no serotonin, that you would have to skydive to feel the same level of excitement that he would feel buying a can eating a candy bar. Holy shit. So it's like, so my juices are low, and the only thing that I fear is boredom. Mm, talk about that. And, and uh, I'm really telling you, this is a long time ago, I was really young, he said, you don't feel like you're living your life unless you're constantly risking it. Mm. You know, so... I kind of lived that way. Not on purpose. It just it just happens. Mm. When you say yes to everything, you'd be surprised the people you sit down with and who you're dealing with. I mean, you can read my bio. I mean, the Russians, the Italians, you know, the Latinos below the border. And I'm not going to get into that because I live here now. You know, I don't ship where I live. How, how did you, now, now, how did you get involved with the Russians and... and how did you get involved with being like a mob enforcer? Like, how did that come into play? Well, two times. One time through the trucking business. Because the men in my family are truckers. They own trucking companies, stuff like that. And the women in my family are primarily teachers. You know, my mother has a master's degree, especially my baby mama is a doctor. She has two master's degrees and a PhD. My grandmother, who was born in 1925, has a master's degree, taught 39 years and six months in the Arkansas school system. Uh, my aunties and all of them. And then there's me, who was in high school for six years. Wow. Okay? I was in high school from age 14 to age 20. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> 11, 11, 12, and 12. Two different schools, you know. Even though my IQ was 152, I wasn't much for... I didn't take books home. Mm -hmm. You know, because that was my time. I said, I got... To me, school was a place you go to Mac the Chicks. When that son, when they let us out, I was with grown-ups. 
You know, when I talk about the three banks I robbed, two on purpose, one on accident, I didn't deal with knuckle dragon thugs. Both of these men were former BLA, Black Liberation Army. They were former um, Vietnam vets. They were in their 40s. I was 17 years old. And after we did two, they didn't want me to come along with them anymore. Because my, my weakness is badly. So I was walking in and, ladies and gentlemen, you have the distinct pleasure of being robbed by none other than, he said, in order to get away with a crime, it has to be a secret. Can you stop walking through the door and announcing your name? The second time, I couldn't help. I just can't help it. I'm taking a bow. Let me, let me, let me, let me, wait, 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 wait. So you go into the bank and like a, like a announcer... You are announcing that this place has the honor and the privilege of being honor stuck up by you. I give up first and last. <laughs> he said, whoa, if you're going to get away with something, it has to be a secret. And he said, if your name is in anybody's mouth, that means your file is on somebody's desk. Ooh. See, they were in their 40s. I was 17 in the 11th grade. And this is my second time in the 11th grade, not the first time. Whoa. So I tell people I graduated in the 14th grade because I did six years in high school. You know, so after the second bank robbery, they didn't want me to come with them anymore. They said, I don't think you grasp the severity of the situation. And I was like, I don't think you grasp the fact that I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know. That, that's, I, some, I, that's some bold I shit. I see life as one continuous day. So if I leave this earth at six o'clock and you stay till nine o'clock, I don't see the difference in that. Mm. It's just one continuous day to me. It's an ever-changing present. You, tomorrow never comes because tomorrow will be today when I wake up. There is no tomorrow. Tomorrow is a concept. Mm. I have a concept of tomorrow. When it comes to midnight, that'll be today. And yesterday is written in ink. So it's one continuous day. The only reason you have night and day is because you're on the dark side of the sun. Mm. On a, a block by the moon. That's it. The sun doesn't go off. It's not, a, it's not a light switch. The sun is burning right now in the middle of the night. We just are blocked by it. So it's one continuous day to me. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if I have to go to sleep at 6 and you go to sleep at 12. What's the difference? We're both taking a nap. So I don't have the ability to process fear because of my psychosis. So my hands don't shake and do all it is. And I don't have the ability to experience anxiety. I said, tell people, I don't have anxiety. I cough it. Wow. You know, but I don't know how to be fearful. And that's not a good thing because fear is a warning receptor. You know, but fear is illogical to me because you can't fear something. People say you fear the unknown. That's a lie. You have anxiety of the unknown. You can't fear something you haven't experienced yet. And after you've experienced it, what's the point of fear in it? Because it's already passed. So I can't fear stubbing my toe. I've stubbed my toe before. I can only have anxiety over the thought of it and build it up in my mind. That's what people do. And when it happens, they go, that wasn't so bad. So bad for what? If that's the first time it happened, what do you have to base that on? You're basing it on your concept of how traumatic you thought it was going to be. I don't have the ability to experience that. Mm. So... It's like a baby. Why does a baby run out into the middle of the street? It has no concept of the damage that a car can do by running it over. Absolutely. Now, if the car runs the baby over, it now has no fear of the car because it's already survived it. How can you have fear of something that's already happened? The fear is gone. It's passed. So I have no fear of the fact that it's already happened. And I do not process 
the fact that I should be afraid of it happening because it's never happened before. How can I be afraid of death? I've never done it. It might be fun. It's mm. an interesting concept, man. So how did you get so so let's move along, man. Like how how did you get involved? It was first was was it the Russians first and then the Italians or was it the Italians then the Russians? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we kind of lost him. Hold on, let's bring him back. I don't know what happened. Uh-oh. Okay, we had technical difficulties. All right, we back. Right, Go ahead. Can you hear me? Are we loud and clear, baby. Okay, I want to tell the audience that I live in Mexico, so we have to piggyback on towers. So I drop calls and I drop video. It's not that I give another call. I would never be that rude. I would just put them on hold. But uh, I drop calls constantly because I'm not in the U.S. So it's piggyback on an, an, another signal. So as I drop, I just go back in. So okay. when I drop, keep sending me another invite. I'm yeah. drop again. I no problem. Not. No problem. No problem. Okay, now, um, I was asking. The, you Was it the uh, Russians or the Italians that you got involved with first? Russians. That was in my twenties. Okay, so how? I mean, from from my understanding, Russians don't deal with blacks too too often. So how did you get? You gotta understand. You gotta understand. Um, you know where my father's from, and you know who he is. So that's actually a myth. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little history. When Nelson Mandela was trying to regain power, and Winnie Mandela had the soccer team, it was Russia that gave. Winnie Mandela and the revolutionaries, their weapons. Now, really? Yeah, when um, Mandela came to power, it was the United States that took away their nuclear weapons mm. because they said the threat is now gone. Russians don't see themselves as white. They're yes. nationalistic, they're not racist. So you got to understand, my, name, my, my, my government name is Mikhail. That's a Russian name. I hooked up with a Russian name, Mikhail. We talked about our names. And it started off with, you know, distributing steroids. Mm. And then when you're sitting at the table and a conversation comes up, those are basically job offers. So, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. Keep, yeah. So the next thing you know, you're doing X, Y, and Z. It's a natural ascend or descend, depending on which level of the spectrum in which you're watching or which you're living you know what I'm saying? So people say I got deeper into it or you can rise higher. It depends mm -hmm. how you see being a career criminal. But it started off with steroid sales. Really? Like steroid. Yeah. Okay. So 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 did it start off with drugs, then it kind of led into steroids, or how did you get involved in the steroid industry? Oh, because I'm vain. I started off as a customer. You know, if you see my pictures, I used to bench press 505 pounds. Yeah. That's the picture of me with my shirt off. Okay. I have three black belts in martial arts, you know, so I was kind of dangerous. You know, I was using steroids. I was snorting cocaine like it's, um, like it was breakfast. And I was on and off psych meds. So I have three elements besides bipolar that's making me aggressively, making me very aggressive, very violent. And I have a lot of skills, mm. you know, so, hey, do you know a guy that does such and such? I said, I can do it. <laughs> I, I have a bad habit of saying yes all the time, but you can't just say I can do it. 
when you're in the light, be it the underworld or the shadow world. You have to do it. There is no talk. Show me. So the next thing you know, you're in a white van snatching people off the street. So what's and the difference between the underworld and the shadow world? Beats to that, you say what? What's the difference between the underworld and the shadow world? The underworld is the gangster world. The shadow world is the sex trade. It's, it's cloaked by gay. It's right in front of your face. But you don't see it. It's almost like you need infrared glasses to see it. That's why I told National Geographic when we was out on the track. I said, you see how these women are dressed? He said, yeah. I said, they do this in the daytime. It's a hundred of them out. And she said, I drive down the street all the time. I've never seen them. I said, you wouldn't know what to look for. I said, they're naked at night. In the daytime, they have on jeans, fully clothed. I said, I know that's weird. I said, you'll see them like on Figueroa pushing baby carriages. If you look closely, they have a stuffed animal in there. They'll sit on a bus stop, but you'll see them bus after bus pass by, and they're not getting on the bus. They'll be fully clothed, jeans, T-shirt, but they'll have heels on. Mm. See, I know what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you're looking at. You know, you'll see them walking with a guy on a bicycle next to them, like they're talking. They're working. But you don't know what to look for in the daytime. See, at night, they have on a short skirt. Mm -hmm. They don't have a short skirt in the daytime. That's television. That's not, that's not how it's actually done in the daytime. They're clothed. They might have on sweats. I know what I'm looking at. I know how many times you turn your head. I know when you're leaning forward, leaning back, because I know what I'm looking at. Like in um, National Geographic, I said, all those women have the same film. And she said, how do you know? I said, they're clumped together under a street light. And she said, how do you know they're working together? I said, look at the shoe. And she said, I never would have noticed. They're all wearing the same exact pair. I said, they don't play in on each other's actions because all three of those women are putting their stuff in the same pot. They're not being tracked. That's why they're under the street light. It's like a sign. I said, see that girl over there in the dark by herself, clicking back nowhere near the street lights? She's being trapped. I said, make a left down that street. You'll see a guy in a very beat up car sitting low with his eyes on her so she can't move. We went downstairs. I said, there he is to the left. And she said, how do you know? I said, I did this for 37 years. Mm. I didn't learn this off television. I didn't watch the man listen <laughs> to a bunch of rap songs and try to put some logic together and then throw some silly ass rhymes into it and put on my goddamn uh, metrosexual pink suit and start talking like Goldie from the... Dee, 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 dee. What the hell is that? <laughs> you know, the, the wise guys I dealt with, you coming in like some half a fruitcake, they would just pop you on GP. That's a clown. I told you, if you want a clown, you think you go to the Midwest. I don't work at the service. I can tell you how this actually goes, or you can watch television and base your things on that. Anything you saw on the map, most of that stuff is a lie. Really, because a lot of people would, a lot of people would beg to differ because you know they say it's based off of um, one, uh, yeah, yeah, the it's wars. Based off of Frank Ward, but then Hollywood enters the picture. It's it's a lot of variables. I can tell within the first thirty seconds if a person really did this, if they're lying, if they got it off television, because you would know the variables and everything connected to that. Mm -hmm. It's like if I said, it's like if I said, um. Did you used to box? Like, yeah, I boxed 20 years, man. I said, um, what did you do the first time your nose was broken? Oh, my nose never been broken. I said, you're a liar. And you you're never boxed? 80 times per round, and this is nothing but cartilage. Our nose gets broken almost every fight to the point where it's cauliflower. I said, that's a goddamn lie. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you would know the variables of this. Who was your cut man? You know, I, I can ask you questions like that. Remember in The Godfather? When Don, when um, Don Corleone, when um, the guy said, I want you to hook up with the Turk. Mm -hmm. And then the first thing Don Corleone said was, what's his prison record? If you played it, if he had said he 
had to say, what did he say? He, ter- he served two terms, one in Italy, one in the States. You can't say that you've been in this life at least two years and you ain't gone to the piano gym. You're a liar mm. or you're an informant. You're yeah. a TV watcher is what you are and a, and a caricature of something that you've seen and based in your head. Mm. And the circle I wrote, man, your first mistake is your last. You can't come through the door with that. Mm. This is for real. This is for real. There were real people snatched in vans. There were real organs sold down in Sao Paulo. I did real time there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got the, I, I told one guy on the internet, because there's some guy that tries to pretend that he's me. He uses a still picture, but you can hear his voice. You, I will never use a still picture. Just like I told National Jeep Record, don't blur out my face. I'm not ashamed of anything I've done, because it's done. I said, you would never see me hiding behind a cloak. No, I do myself in broad daylight. Do what you want to do. You know what I mean? So I don't hide. I don't digitally blur my face. If you don't see my lips move, that's somebody pretending to be me. And like I, I, I told the guy that you can't pretend to be Mickey Royal unless you want the bullet holes and the prison time that went with it. Now, with a phone call, I can make those possible for you. Mm. Let me know how far you want to go with this. You know what I mean? I have two bullet holes in my chest. I, have, I can't feel anything from my mouth right down in here. Mm. I can't feel anything. Every, every word I say, I have a sharp pain going through my mouth, under my tongue, because my tongue was severed. It had to be reattached at the bottom, uh, right down to my throat. I can't feel anything from this part of my chest right here. I can feel everything in my abdomen, but I can't feel anything here. I can feel the pressure. There's no, there's no, there's no nerve endings right here. It goes all the way down to my lower body, right down the, down my left leg. I have 15 stitches in my mouth right now in a reattached tongue through a failed assassination attempt. That was in my sleep. If I were awake, it'd be a different story. And nobody ever got to drop on me like that, but I was sound asleep. And you wake up with an ice pick in your face. You know, but that's part of the life. It, I was at a halfway house. That was in prison. I did something in prison at Moscow State Prison. They got their revenge four and a half years later almost. Because nobody forgets. It was a certain organization. I don't want to mention them because, I, like I said, I live here now. And I don't shit where I eat, and that's done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they tried to put me in a temple, but he grabbed my neck. And I looked up because I was on the top bunk. Came right down, crashing through, and they ran. And I told everybody at the halfway house I fell. Mm. So because I said that, the police said, well, since you fell, we're, we're going to request that an ambulance doesn't come here because I'm on parole at the time. I can't have any interaction like that. Because I'm the victim, I can still go back and get violated and do 18 months in, in back at Chino. Mm-hmm. So I had to catch the Hollywood train, the red line, up to Kaiser on Vermont and Sunset. And I walked in, and the lady was like, Bill, it's before. She said, what's... What is the, uh, can you state your emergency? I said, take one wild effing guess. And I got this thing sticking out of my face. <laughs> There's not too much to say. Like, what the fuck? I have, I, have, I have two bullet holes in my chest. It looks like Swiss cheese. You know, when I started ninth grade, I had some drainage bags under here. And like I used to leave class, and you have to empty the blood, and you push it in and close it so it can keep sucking it. You know, because after they stitch you up, you still have blood and tissue and stuff coming through. So I had this big shirt on with these two drainage things under it. That's not permanent. You know, you wear them for a few months until no more of that excess stuff comes out. And my doctor told me, you know, you have bullet fragments very close to your heart. So I don't want anyone, you don't do anything physical or have someone hit your chest. So you know what I did? What's that? I signed up for the football team and then started boxing. You don't tell me what the fuck to do just to save my life. What makes you think I want to save you stopping me from living, not keeping me from dying. <laughs> wow. 
I've been, I joined the football team with snitches on me. Don't tell me, don't worry. Telling me I can't do something. I said, people spend half their lives telling me what I can't do, and then the other half watching me do it. Mm. So as soon as you said that, I signed up for the football team. I only played one year. You know, you but I did that because how dare you tell me that? Wow. You know what I mean? Your next hit could kill you. I said, you promise? I get to die finally? So I signed up. I played a nose guard. Well, I played middle linebacker first, but I'm not that fast on my feet. Okay. So they put me at nose guard. You know? Mm. It was fun. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm feeling here, but sometimes my chest bleeds. Oh. Because I have fragments on both sides. And it went on like pierces. So it'll come like by my nipple or something. It doesn't hurt. But sometimes it's embarrassing if I'm wearing a white shirt on. Oh, shit. So I just get some peroxides and Vaseline. But you got to understand, that's from, that's from a gunshot from when I was age 14. The last time I bled was in around April or May of this year. So that was 36 years ago, and the sucker still does that. Because that was a hollow point. It's all in here. I mean, I really don't like taking my shirt off too much. If you see me with my shirt off, well, I, I'm not so self-conscious now. But if you see my shirt off, you see my hands across. I'm not flexing. I'm hiding my scar. Whoa, okay. Because I'm very vain. I'm extremely vain, so, you know, I, I just don't like my scar <coughs> being shown because that's all people want to talk about after that. And uh, I really don't want to bring that up. So I, you see me posing like this, like he's flexing. No, I'm hiding. I don't want you to see all of that. It's kind of disgusting looking. Mm. All right. Shit, that was a mouthful right there, man. So... Let's talk about how um, after you led from this whole this this doing this gangster shit, how you led into the game, man. Like, let let's start from the genesis to that. Like, so t tell us about your involvement. How'd you get in? You know. In, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna skip over some stuff because, like I said, if I go into detail, we're gonna be here to midnight. It's gonna sound unbelievable. Right. Because I didn't really know how unbelievable my story was until I was in Chino. I was in my early forties. I was in the hole. And you don't have any, I had a no human contact order on me for that particular time. And you don't have a TV, you don't have a radio, nothing. And all you have to watch are your thoughts. So my life flashed before my eyes. So since I didn't have any entertainment, I started a kindergarten with my memories. And I was like, no one would believe this. I don't believe it. And I was like, did I dream this? And I said, I couldn't dream, have dreamt it because I can see my scars and I can pinch myself and I know I'm here in Chino in the hole. You know, I've been in the cage, the hole, the shoe, all of that stuff because, you know, I'm a little hard-headed. I like to do things. You want, and they're like, because you know, they, my last name is Shreve. So they're like, Shreve, are we going to do this the easy way or the hard way? I said, do it the hard way. I'm bored. <laughs> so, yeah, they got a place for you. So I don't, I don't really care. Wow. You know, it was, to me, it was fun. I can't be bored. Mm. My most dangerous place is being alone with my thoughts because I do damn near anything. You know, I can't be bored. Mm. I will find something to do just to do it. Mm. You know, so when I was in the hole, it flashed before me. And, I, you know, you saw where you zigged and when you should have zagged. Yeah. Because it all happened so fast, it would never break in it. But you got to understand, when you're 13 years old and you're selling crack, Grown women will screw you. So I'm in the seventh grade having threesomes and orgies with 30-year-old women who look like, and 40-year-old women who look like vanity. God. So it's hard to Damn. talk to a girl at my school who's in the seventh grade because I'll give you a kiss on the cheek later. I said, I just had a woman's tongue up my ass. 
and her daughter's mouth on my balls, and I'm in the seventh. Sure. I had what they wanted. We were selling rocks. We didn't call them crack. That came from the media. Okay. We rocks. You know, slinging rocks. They were called rocks. Mm. Crack is something I heard on TV and we kind of picked it up. Just like the original name for the Crips. The Crips didn't name themselves Crips. The newspaper did in 71, 72. Okay. When they beat, because they carried canes when they walked. You know, looking cool because they're trying to look like pimps and Huey Newton and them used to, and the Panthers do it. They were all black. Their original name was Baby Cribs. A lot of people don't know that. I'm going way back to, you know, Bimbo the Baby Elephant, Benny Ray Simpson, you know, Mike Simpson, you know, Tookie. You know, I'm from the West Side. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Walk the Nights, too, 1971. Not me. I wasn't born until 72, but that's when it started. They okay. were long leather coats. They would wear fedoras. They were looking like the Black Panthers. Because that was their example of manhood. So that's where that look came from. Where the blue and red came from, you'd have to ask somebody else. Okay. I don't know where the colors came from. But I know when it started. You know, because I got, I got family members who used to be businessmen, Slauson boys. The Slauson boys were around the neighborhood where ruling 60s is now. But they go back to the 50s and 60s. You know okay. what I mean? So after that, then the Crips came. You know, stuff like that. So my... And, my interest, my education on this goes far beyond that. You know, my mother was a black parent. You know, so I haven't, I have, you know, I have a lot of knowledge in that area because I was right there when it happened. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm no stranger to the FBI coming to my mother's house and searching shit. My uncle was a member of SNCC, you know, and uh, my brother, his uncle was Tayari, well, I can't say was. Is Tayari, who was a member of uh, United Slaves, you know, the Karanga Tanks, you know, Marlena Karanga and them. Yeah, yeah. Goatees. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's where all that came from. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's where that look came from. You know, them the Karanga Tanks. Not the Karanga Tanks. Yeah. And, you know, it got to the point, and, you know, I'm not going to talk about the assassination of Bunchy Carter, you know, who was implicated up at uh, UCLA, because that's really before my time. But I didn't get my history from a book. I got my history from people who told me who were there. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't get off into that. I don't play who's who in the zoo. I don't spread rumors. I keep other men's name out of my mouth unless it personally involves me. Right. If I wasn't there, I wouldn't talk about it. That's why I always just deal with facts. How do you know? I was standing there. I was standing there. Mm -hmm. You know, so I keep it like that. But as far as like camping, it's a natural ascend. You're around it. You're there. You're dealing with pimps. You're dealing with people. Because if you deal in a, in a business with young naked girls, eventually alcohol, cocaine, and marijuana will appear. Mm -hmm. They go hand in hand. Party, so fav the, party favors are yeah. always available when, when you... Yeah, so certain pimps will buy a lot of cocaine because the drug of choice with pimps is cocaine. Mm -hmm. Because when your hoes are working, you have to be awake. When they're sleeping, you have to be awake. I used to sleep every 36 to 48 hours. Because I have to be awake when they're asleep. I'm working. And I'm awake when they're awake. Wow. You know, so it's very little sleep. So they didn't have like Red Bull back then and coffee's not really strong enough. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them probably snorting so they can stay up. Wow. So when that, that's why you see people doing this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot of that. Cause they, yeah. Yeah, They've been up three days. They've been up three days. You know, I, I like to separate television from reality. 
you know, you know how you see a lot of pimps now, or so-called ones, you know, um, baby, you know, talking like this, and shout, 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 shout. they're imitating Max Julian and the way he talks. I'm like, why? Just because I am, I'm a manager of adult entertainers, as we said, why all of a sudden your voice goes up five octaves? You're mocking someone. You're pretending to be something you're not, and you're playing a part. That's Max Julian's real voice. But they all imitate what they saw. They say talking like a pimp. How do you talk like a pimp? How does a football player talk? How does a fireman talk? How does a drug dealer talk? How does he look? There is no uniform. It's an activity. It's not a noun. It's a verb. But see, that's how I know when someone's being an actor and they're faking. So I don't, I don't, I can't be around wannabes and try to be so I'm going to pull your car. Mm. And it's not going to be verbal. You can't, just because you're Italian, you can't slick back your hair and go to the Ravenite Social Club and say, yeah, I'm a Gambino too. You're not walking out of there alive. Mm. They really live this. I spent half my life in a cage. You know what I mean? If you don't want to spend half your adult life in a cage, stay out of, don't be a career criminal. It's not a big deal to us. It's a career. This is a longevity thing. So if I live to be 80 and I spend 25 years of that in a case, that's not really a big deal to us. We call it college or we call it a vacation. That's where you sit down, formulate your plan, and you get back and write and do the same, do another thing. You know, most of these guys, honestly, they're, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm always honest. They're fatherless little boys in search of their lost manhood, and they think they can obtain it by group male affiliation, showing aggression towards their fellow brothers, and they think showing disrespect and aggression towards a woman that they'll capture their reclaimed manhood. That's not how you capture your manhood. You have to get it back from the person who stole it. And we all know who stole it. Mm. So that's how you get it back. But that's how you can tell. You know how you hear some dude talking? You know, I told that bitch, I said, bitch, I've never called one of my women out of the name. This woman, this woman is risking her life. These women are risking their lives every night and bringing me all the money. Why would I disrespect them? That's like uh, Dr. Jerry Buss just going up and slapping Shaquille O'Neal in the head. Why would, that's kind of stupid. I've never called them the B word. Mm. These women, why would I do that? Mm. That's kind of cutting off my nose and spite my face and shooting my own self in the foot. And like one dude said, he, he, in an interview I was watching on YouTube, he said, you know, I, I told that bitch to get the fuck out. You've never done this. Mm. You cannot fire on phone. You have to convince her it's her idea to leave when you want to get rid of her. And I, t- I don't say things and not prove it. I prove wait, 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 Repeat that statement again. You can never disrespect and fire a hoe. You have to psychologically convince her that she wants to leave if you want to get rid of her. Wow. Now, I'm going to tell you why. This one, I'm going to use a woman as an example. I'm not going to say her name. She was with me for several years. She sat next to me in the car. She didn't drive. She watched me commit federal crimes in front of her. She can list a hundred incidents. She watched me commit crimes that have no statute of limitations, so to speak. She was right there. Why would I slap her? All she had to do is run to the nearest law enforcement agency and they're going to believe anything she said. Why would I do something in front of someone for years and then disrespect them and wonder why I'm in federal prison? That's not how you get wow. rid of them. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of my Facebook friends, the females, they used to work for me. Now, you go on their pages and they're at church bake sales now. That's because she's 54. But 30 years ago, when she was 24, she was on the phone. It's that she married a square and moved off. I still keep in contact with these people. And when they need me, like, they'll say, Mick, can you send me a cash out? I'm like, of course I can. And then when I do it, I go, damn it, leech. But I can't say no. 
I can't say no because several of these women, you understand I've had thousands of women in 37 years span. They've all watched me commit serious crimes and vice versa. So if I witness you doing all of these things for years, why would you beat me up? Wouldn't that be kind of stupid? Yeah, that'd be dumb as a motherfucker. Hey, but it sounds good to say. You know, I slapped that bitch. I never, no, no, no. This is a mental game. This is psychological, not physical. You cannot do that. These women know where my safe is. These women have been with me and watched me do some things that I can't speak on because they have no statute of, limited, uh, statute of limitations. Mm. They, they know where the bodies are buried, figuratively and literally speaking. Why would I slap her? Why would I raise my voice to her? Mm. She basically has you by the quiche quiche. All she has to do is talk to a law enforcement agent, and that's it. She's in witness protection. I'm going away for 100 years. But I, that never happened to me because I put them accordingly. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when I watched it, I said, don't let the movies get you in the penitentiary. Grab it. And I'm you can't do that because she's just going to run and tell. And when you did in the L.A., what makes you think that that's not Monster Cody's niece? Ooh. Go ahead and hit her. And that's the and last thing you want. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and hit her. And you're going to have four carloads coming to see you, and it's just you and the bodyguard. I said, no, no, no. Some of these women, they're just as dangerous as you are. They don't do this because you scare them. You can't scare them. That's why they got a saying, it's colder than a hooker's heart. You ain't never heard it's colder than a murderer's heart. You ain't never heard it's colder than a pimp's heart. Why do they say it's colder than a hooker's heart? She's long since desensitized. You might risk your life in a game or have a life-threatening situation every three or four months. They have one every night for 12 hours straight. Mm -hmm. I told National Geographic, it's a line of work where sexual assault Rape and murder are just occupational habits. They're out here every night. They get raped weekly. And they get right back up and go back to what they're doing. Mm. They're extremely decent. So they'll slip my throat in my sleep or they'll be arsenic in my skin. I'm sleeping in a house with nine of these women. I don't care how strong I am. Two can sit on each leg and arm and one can just cut my throat. No, they're doing this because they love you and they want to. But make no mistake, they're not weak. They've survived things I would have never endured. Or I say they've endured things that I could have never survived. Ain't nobody raped me at 11. You know what I mean? I hadn't lived that kind of life. You know, I had curious 15-year-old female babysitters when I was nine, and I don't want to go into that. But, uh, you know, um, like I said, I've been with grown women since 13 because of the line of work I was in. Uh -huh. They didn't love me. They loved what I had in that little bag. Yeah. You know, so... It kind of, it kind of warps your view. I, I can tell you this. My cousin, and this is when my uncle was still alive. Me and my uncle went to, my uncle and I went to my cousin's house, with his, and he was browbeating one of his sons because he was getting bad grades and he was angry. He was like 10, and my uncle, he was a pervert, right? And he said, um, why don't you let your son watch some porno? And he said, what? He said, how does having a fight at school relate to porn? Porn does not solve all problems. He said, he ain't too young. I used to let Mickey watch porn on when he was 11 or 12. And I tapped him on the show and said, and it didn't affect my life one bit, nor my life choices. And everybody started laughing and shit. I said, don't listen to him. His answer to everything is watching porn. You know, I lost my job. Let's go watch some porn. You know, I stubbed my toe. Turn on the porn. So he's like, but that was, everybody started laughing and shit. Because he's like, I let Mickey watch him. He was 11 or 12. I said, nah, it didn't affect me at all. 
No, it didn't, it, it didn't work on <laughs> It didn't affect me at all. Not at all. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Hilarious. So, can you tell me about, like, the first girl that you've had or, you know, in, in the adult industry? Like, your first interactions? It's hard to remember that back when you talk about 30 years. Oh, wow. But I got introduced into the pornography business from Ron Hightower. My wow. ex-wife, my ex-wife is Elizabeth Sweet. That's also Raymond Washington's ex-girlfriend from high school, and she was one of the original Cripplettes. She also danced on Soul Train. I'll send you a clip later. Wow. It's from 1982. No, yeah, her clip is from 1982, and she was in her 20s. I said, you know I was only 10 years old when you did that. I wasn't even married, born yet. I was born the next married, year. <laughs> when we got married, she was 40. I was 28. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I always used to tease her. I used to say, you know when you went to your high school prom, I was six years old? And she mm. would just put her head down. I was like, you Chester. <laughs> you cougar, you. But we did the swinger party thing, the foyer party thing, and, you know, it's just a constant elevation. But um, what was the original question? You know, I've had a lot of head trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Don't trip. I was asking about your actual introduction into the game. And you know, then it's, like, it's like, like, it doesn't go like that. It's not like, okay, I worked at Walmart. And I went to um, a strip club and said, excuse me, are you hiring gentlemen of leisure? I would like to be trained, please. It's not like that. It's right. a slope. It's a gradual slope. Okay. You know what I mean? So I remember when I was in high school. And, oh, I can't use real names. So I'm going to use initials. Because I respect the fact that when people leave the life, I don't do that exposing stuff. See, where I'm from, that's dry snitching. You know, most of these dudes on the internet, when they be going back and forth, they just look like girls to me. They look like bitches. You know, I, 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 I can't get into that. I don't understand that shit. It's a lot of bitch-made you know? shit. That's because a lot of these niggas have been raised by bitches, so they're naturally yeah. going to do bitch shit. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I was raised by men. You know what I mean? My mentors, Mike Conception, uh, Steve Muhammad, you'll see him in Enter, Enter the Dragon. That's all in the Nation of Islam. You know, Michael Esposito from, like I told you, Milano Crime Family. I mean... I was around real men, BLA and all that kind of thing. I don't understand that. I moved out at 14. I don't understand that type of thinking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm be standing up. So it's in certain lines I can't cross. But like I told you, I just can't I just can't get into that. I don't see how they do that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's dry snitching. That's why I don't go to barbershops. Because I was there one time and I said, when I heard them cackling and talking, I said, this is nothing but the beauty shop with deeper voices. I said, I got to get out of here. I don't, I, I don't do group mail affiliation. I don't play who's who in the zoo. I don't put other men's name in my mouth because if you put another man's name in your mouth, you might as well put his penis there too. <laughs> Quote of the day. If you keep a man's name in your mouth, you might as well put his dick in there too. <laughs> right. If you, if you go from body part to body part, knock yourself out. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't do that. I don't do group mail affiliation. You know, my arms, I got 21 jaded arms. I can carry my own ball. I don't, I don't need I don't need all of that. How about that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So 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 like I said, get <clears throat> if you can, man, give me a um a specific story of kind of like of your earliest when I was young? huh? You mean when I was young, like high school? Oh uh, yeah, you can give me a high school story, and you can kind of like I'm, 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 run I'm, from there. Be a lot of stuff to do from self incrimination. I move at a certain pace. Okay, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So I don't go Deep into that. Oh no! Like I said, with, yeah. Do not incriminate yourself yeah. on my platform. <laughs> yeah. 
Please. So, I was about 17, and my brother met this stripper from New York. Her grandfather was a wise guy. She was half Italian, half black. She came out to L.A. She was dancing and stuff like that, and he was with her. Her name started with a T. She's talked about how her girls, because, you know, we were known for, like, serious things. And when my brother got to talk to her, you know, he was, he was always, in, you know, narcotics. So you just you, you provide them with a lot of power. So she was talking to him like she needed some backup or something like that. And she said, not so much me, my friend. And she had four friends. It was all biracial chicks. It was all, um, they all had white daddies and black moms. And one of them, the doc, the, she was the daughter of a doctor. And he didn't really claim her, but he had so much money, he gave her a fourplex building. I don't want to get too deep about it, but it's not too far from World on Wheels. It's around the people of Red area, those uh, fourplexes. So this is a funny story, too. So uh, what you call it? So my brother said, okay, me and my little brother will do this, that, and the other. And when they, they gave her the building, each one, it was a fourplex. It was a chick living in each building. And they was turning dates, but they used to get robbed and this, that, and the other, and blah, blah, blah. So they had these Nigerian uh, tricks who were in the oil business. And they would come by, they would party with them, they would leave all this money and stuff. But sometimes they might trick with them three times, but only pay them once. Oh. <laughs> so <coughs> we took over that operation. Mm -hmm. They didn't do it for money. All four of these chicks came for money. They had more money than we had. They did it because it was something to do, and they enjoyed doing it. They enjoyed the life. So next thing you know, we're just running that Bordello. We turned it into a whorehouse. It was like an after party, after hours that never stopped. Went around 24 hours a day. These girls didn't work. These chicks had allowances. And that building was paid for. That's how much money their fathers had. So I remember one night, check this out. This is how um, one night we were outside bumping, right? It was late at night and one of the chicks was smoking weed. And at that time, weed was considered a drug. So... And I, I was the one that was standing next to me. She was about four foot eleven. I thought she was the youngest, but she was about twenty seven. Keep in mind, I'm seventeen. Mm -hmm. You know, and the cops pulled up behind us. Now, my brother and I, our hands don't shake just because I'm sitting on my, new, my uh, radio. I'm not about to turn down my music for you. You speak over it, or you can arrest me, or we can get down. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I'm coming from a Panther family. I have one. At that time, I, I hate to say it. I was still in the nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. In the daytime, but I had the night. Like, I don't like to say that, man, because, um, you know, I was kind of bleeding out of it. But, yeah, I still was. So I'm still FOI in there. So I, I, when I hit the streets, I hit the streets with the discipline of an FOI. Mm. So I, I'm living a double life at this time. So they pulled up behind us, right? And they opened the door, and, and the chick said, Turn down your music. I said, For what? Maybe they want to dance. You don't give me orders. I'm listening to you. I don't drop my gun, I drop my hammer. If this is where I lay, this is where I lay. I'd already been shot twice by the end. And I'm in the 11th grade. So, you know, like I told somebody, I'm a Sunni Muslim with bipolar disorder. There's no fear here. In fact, I want to engage because it makes my penis hard. Because I'm kind of sadistic and very narcissistic. So, you know, and you're 17, you got a lot to stop for them. You know what I mean? And so they walked up on us, and I had the tall Latino cop on my side. The short one over there, what nobody knew, even myself, because I can't see that well in the dark. It was on the society. The, the cop that was driving graduated from my brother's high school a year before him. They were friends. We didn't know this. I didn't know that was him getting out. We didn't know he became a cop. He graduated a few years before him. My brother was already out of school. So when they saw each other, they got up in each other's face. The Latino car already had his building club out. And I'm like, at this time, I'm already a black belt. 
I'm already got a knife in my pocket. You swing that stick, I'm gonna stick you in your throat. You know what I mean? They didn't have cameras in the car. They so I'm already got my hand like in my pocket on my knife. I don't have my hand on my gun because I told you guns make too much noise. Knives are silent. You knives make a mess. My father said you can either make noise or make a mess. You can always clean up a mess, but you can't retract sound. So knives have always been my weapons of choice. I said, they're all over my house, you know, but you can only shoot a weapon once. You know what I'm saying? So they're all over. That's usually my weapon of choice because it doesn't make any noise. Unless I have like a, you know, Wilson suppressor, a Leopold scope, and that's another thing. But if I don't have a suppressor or a homemade one, I would do a video on how to make a homemade silencer because I was doing that since I was 17, 18. But I always carry, you know, because if he gets close to swing that baton, he's, he's going to get cut. I've had, at this point, I've had 36 years of martial arts and knife training, weapons training. I could take apart any gun, put them back together in the dark. You know, that was through a certain lieutenant in the nation. I'm not going to say any names. I don't put nobody's shit out there, but I've been trained a lot. I have a lot of skills. So when the dude walked up, he was obviously the not the senior cop. He got looking at his partner like, what do I do? My brother and dude started hugging. I thought they were fighting and wrestling. They were hugging and rocking back and side to side and shaking hands like that, right? And then uh, the Latino cop put his but kind of like, and he told the uh, brother cop, he's like, hey, man, when you coming by? Oh, man, tell your moms I'm coming by. This, that, and the other, man. I miss you, man. This, that. So they got in their cars and they drove off, right? My brother immediately <laughs> turned around. Had, it was just four chicks. We had all four of them. My brother immediately turned around and said, those cops are on me and my brother's payroll. We got this whole area sold up. Now, that wasn't true. That just happened. If it would have been anybody else, it would have been an incident. But that, he told me later in the car, that's so-and-so. I said, I don't know what it is. He graduated with he graduated the year before me. And when he turned around and did that, that was it. Them chicks started kicking in 100%. It was like, y'all got some real shit. It just happened to be a coincidence. And my brother spun, he didn't say I went to school with him. He spun around and said, my brother and I got this whole neighborhood sewn up. They had never seen something like that. We turned up the music and I told you, keep smoking your weed. Keep smoking your weed. And I took the joint when they drove by and I blew it into the car. And he said, yeah. And she was like, we never seen nothing like that. If it had been anybody else, that would have been a problem. But it just so happened they went to high school together. Mm. I mean, we turned around there, and that's when it kicked off. But that didn't last too long because we didn't continue. Remember, we were still, we were still into drugs, other stuff. You know, like I told uh, National Geographic, growing up in LA, it's not a pimp town. It's a gang town. It's a mob. You know, it's an organized Latino black gang town. We don't be, you want, it's not a pimp thing. It's not like St. Louis, Chicago. We were gangs first. So very few pimps in LA at that time, and they were in the shadows. You know who they are because they didn't take the spotlight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We had people like Trudy Reese and Fruity Reese. They took the spotlight. You know, the pimps were very, so, you know, that was new to us. We come from the drug background, the drug gang background. So after that, we did that for about a year. We made a lot of money, but we floated back into what we were used to. You know, the real hardcore, 100% seven-day week pimping, that didn't come until, if you read along for the ride, that didn't come really until Gorgeous. Okay. How'd you, so tell us the story about Gorgeous and how you think met her. Well, you can read all about that in here. But I'm going to cut through it. I'm, I'm going to get to it. Like, I was talking to some dude in an interview, and he said, um, I said, the pimp game is a feminine game. It's sin sinister. Like, you got to understand a lot of women don't understand a woman going out there, risking her life, bringing the money home to the man, and he manages the house. I said, isn't that what your grandmother did? 
Isn't that a housewife's job? She sends her man out to work 16 hours a day. He turns his check over. He takes a little bit and she manages the house for the family. I said, you don't like pimps because we got your game down. That's a woman's game naturally. Mm. That's our work naturally. We have to unlearn what we've learned and do that. You learn the pimp game from a woman, not a man. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you just say that women don't like peas because we understand their game? Yes. The, the concept of the concept of sending one someone out who's risking their life that you so-called love and they love you and they bring the money back and take a small percentage while you run the house. That's that's what my grandmother did. That's what housewives do. That's what wives do. When you go off to the military, you send your checks back home. See, that's always been their game. Mm. And they taught it to us. You got to learn the pimp game from a woman. I'm going to tell you like this here. A wolf can't teach you about sheep. Only thing a wolf can teach you is how to eat one. And that's what Gorgeous told me. She said, if you learn your game from another pimp, you're going to learn how to eat one sheep at a time. That's not what you're going to do. I teach you how to be a shepherd so they all come to you in the hundreds. And then you can slowly walk them somewhere and bleed them dry as a group. She said, only a sheep knows us sheep's weaknesses. You learn about women from women. And that's why women are so clueless when it comes to men because my mama told me, I said, for real, how long has she been a man? I've been one for 50 years. Your mother hasn't been one one second. I'm going to put it to you like this. I've flown airplanes for 50 years. This other guy hasn't been a pilot for one second. Which one of us you want to in your DC-10 cockpit? Which one you want? <laughs> your mother has no experience. Your grandmother has no experience. They've never peed standing up. They believe once a month. If you want to learn about men, you learn from a man. If you want to learn about women, you learn from a woman. Mm -hmm. See, you you got to take someone that's old and out of it. She knows what women need, what women want to hear to bring them to it. Like she said, you don't go get sheep. A wolf can only kill one at a time. She said, no, no, no. You open up your gate. You're standing there as a shepherd. You have the bait in which they come to you. She said, I know women's weaknesses. Trust me. She said, when they get into the barn, you lock the gate, take off your shepherd uniform, and then your fangs come out. Now you can slowly have your pig. So that's how I rose so much because I learned my game from a woman in her mid-40s when I was 19, 20. About women. I don't need to learn from another man how to be myself. Then I'm imitating him. What, he gonna teach me how to walk? I've been putting one foot in front of the other since I was like one in an act. I don't need you to teach me how to walk. This is how parents Really? You're playing a part. I'm not an actor. That's why I told you earlier, don't tell me the questions. I don't need to rehearse being myself. I really did this. I don't have to get prepared to play a part. Mm. This is who I am. My bullet holes are real, the cuts are real, and I've basically been deported from the U.S. We don't want you here no more. I was like, well, bye. <laughs> so so I tell people like this here, I got five fouls. Okay. And anybody in the life knows what that means. I got strikes. Up, I got more strikes than Reggie Jackson, so it's like, I don't want to foul out. What do you do to a player that on basketball that has five fouls in the third quarter? He sits out that. Yeah. Send him on the bench. Because one more, he's out the game, period. Mm -hmm. For the rest of the game. I got five fouls. I had to sit out. I did too much. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're kicked out of the country. It's like, we strongly suggest you leave because we can't guarantee what's going to happen to you if you don't. And these are the federal government. I'm like, you know what? I didn't like it here. No way. <laughs> Kenny Rogers said, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. I was like, then, I, then I'll take my, I'll bid you would do and take my lead. Mm. You know, I'd rather walk away than be in a captain. 
<clears throat> so when you actually met this female, man, um, like, what, t t tell tell me about your journey into the game after, or like during or after your encounter with this young lady. Oh no, that's gorgeous. That's all in alone for the ride. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. But it, it was a roller coaster ride for a while, and you gotta understand when they leave, another one comes. Leave, another one. Comes. It's, they never left. Hmm. It's like it's like saying, okay, I'm the Lakers, okay? The game is the Lakers. That's that's my house. I'm Dr. Jerry Buss, right? Mm -hmm. Dr. Jerry Buss, yeah, he had Will Chamberlain. He had Jerry West. He had Kobe Bryant. He had Norm Nixon. He had Magic Johnson. He had Shaquille O'Neal. He had John Sally. He had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's still there. They came and went. So it's like asking which was the best player. There is no best player. Mm. It, it's a constant thing. Throughout the year, throughout the decades, throughout the whatever. It's a constant thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But a lot of people think that your bottom woman is your first woman. That's not true. Stop watching television. Your bottom woman is the older one. Old one who teaches you. Young girl can't teach me shit. If I'm 19 and she's 20, what do we know? And that's what dudes think. I got my bottom woman. No, that's not your bottom woman. That's your first self. Mm. It's a big difference between the two. A bottom woman is your teacher. She knows more about the game, she's forgotten more about the game than you'll ever learn. She's pushing wow. 50 and you're 19. You know what I mean? You know, you know, you know, you know what Gorsh told me one time? What's that? Because she started at age 15. She said, I've been a hoe. I was a hoe before your parents met. So you're not going to outsmart me, but if you humble yourself, you may learn something. I'm willing to teach you because she said, you're not going to do this without me. If you do this without me, you'll be in the pen in two years. And she said, if I, if I do this without you, I'll be raped, robbed, and murdered this weekend. But if you let me teach, she said, I have the knowledge, you have the strength, you have the power. Soon you'll have the strength, power, and knowledge. I can transfer that to you. You can't transfer the strength back to me because I'm 45 years old. But I can transfer knowledge to you. You already have the youth, power, and strength. So, no, your first teacher is your bottom woman. Wow. Now, that's why I tell guys that's going into the pimp game, you're not looking for a pretty girl as your first one. You're looking for a tutor. Then you start getting the rest of them. Break you have down. to set up the game first. Mm. But a lot of them, like I said, they go off of television. Watching, going off the mat and Willie Dynamite, that's just going to get you killed. Those are not true. It can be based on something true. I can watch and go, that's where Hollywood entered. That's not true. I left out a bunch of stuff. You ever see that movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? No, I don't believe I have. It's the part where they're in a business class and the teacher is teaching about business, but he doesn't own a business. He's basing everything he learned off a book or documentaries. Rodney Dangerfield plays a guy who has a whole bunch of uh, stores and he's trying to tell him the um, ramifications and the burials about that. You know, you have to pay off this for the permits and this and the other. And he said, um, well, we're teaching standard business. Now, where do we put our business? He said, how about fantasy land? I can tell you watch a lot of TV and you listen to a lot of rap. Not you, but I'm, I can tell right, you right, right. second. And they say, I guess I said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Where'd you do your time? You mean to tell me you did this for 15 years and you didn't go to the penitentiary? You a goddamn lie. John Gotti went to the penitentiary. El Chapo went to the penitentiary. Career Rick went to the penitentiary. You know, Michael Milken went to the penitentiary. I guess you're smarter than all of them. I guess you're so wise. You're the one guy. I said, no, if you play, if you shoot craps all night, 
and you come to me and say you never crapped out, you're a goddamn liar. Mm. Everybody has crapped out before. It's just how soon you can get the dice again to keep rolling. That's a lie. So once I hear one lie, I'm just through with people. I said, oh, okay, you watch a lot of, you, you, you spend a lot of time at the cinema, don't you? Mm. It doesn't happen like that. Unless they know the variables that go with it and the ramification, they're lying. They're lying. And so once I see somebody that's, all these, a lot of these guys are mimicking somebody that's mimicking somebody that's mimicking somebody. I said, you sound like, you sound like some kind of fruitcake. I said, get out of my face, you have a sissy fucking you a slap. Don't come to me like that, man. I'm sticky. You're going to get shot. You see, this is for real. My bullet holes are real. My prison time is real. My exile is real. You know, I have to go to Columbia next year. Nobody's business. Medellin. Um, this is not a game. I've died three times before. And it got brought back. The last time I died was November 5th of last year. You know. <laughs> Thank God for CPR. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, man. We'll, we'll get into that in a minute. So, so uh, back back to this game, man. Like you, you said, you've been saying some profound things that are not said in a lot of pimp circles. And they and lie. what'd you say? They lie. They lie. Mm. They glamorize. People say, "Why don't you hang around?" Because the first of all, I don't do female affiliation. That's kind of homoerotic to me, that homo thug shit. I don't need other men to help me carry my balls. You dig what I'm saying? So I I, I don't do... If you see me in a group, it's a bunch of ladies, okay? And I'm working. Now, like I told you, if you see me in the car with four guys, don't follow us. We're on our way to do something that you don't want to be a part of, or we're coming back from doing something that you don't be a part of, and we go our separate ways. <coughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a little loose, loose my game is this side. Man, I want to be around a bunch of dudes for who we circle jerking. If we ain't got about no business, you ain't coming over here. We and you don't know where I live. We meet at the place. If you come in my house, I trust you with my life. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Whoo! Okay. Um, so let me ask you a question. What are some of your likes and dislikes about the whole sex industry? Now, when you say the sex industry, you have to be specific. Because that can go anywhere from walking the track to pornography to... Oh, let's, I, I, I'm saying, give, 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 it to me, give it to me from all angles, man. I'm here. Nothing. <laughs> Break that you down. Nothing. tell you what I don't like, okay? I have to really think hard about what I don't like. If you ask me what I do like, we'll be talking two hours. But what I don't like is the disrespect for, that the ladies receive. Okay. Go ahead. It's Go a job. I, 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 see, I see prostitutes as nurses. You know, I had this one chick from Romania who was uh, worked for me, and she said her mother was from Romania, and so was her auntie. It's a family business. I can't see you. No, go ahead, go ahead, keep going. I just <laughs> go ahead. I fucked around and dropped my phone. You, you, okay, I'm like a kid with that. It's like playing peekaboo. I'm like, where'd you go? Where'd no, you yeah. Like, hey, you and for whatever reason, I get off the camera. Keep rolling. Okay, okay. Yep. So she said she was sitting out talking to me. She said, "In Romania, we don't get arrested." She said, "A prostitute is an applicable and admirable profession. We're seen as nurses or or." Massage or caretakers. Mm. She said, me feeling bad and leave feeling good. Why would you disrespect somebody like that? 
Wow. See, it's it's a whole different dynamic. Like customers are disrespected here in the U.S. You know what I'm saying? Or or tricks as we like to call them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a it's see one of the things I found very interesting about the sex trade, <coughs> especially here in the United States, they'll de they'll, they'll sit up there and promote bitches that sell pussy, but demonize niggas who buy it. It's a very new country. You know what I mean? My auntie is 85 years old. Okay, she was born in 1937, right? Mm-hmm. When my auntie was being born, another 80-year-old was dying. When that 80-year-old was born, another 80-year-old was dying. Well, that's America. That's 1776. America's mm-hmm. only like 250 years old. Mm-hmm. It's only three people old. 80, 80, 80. It's only three people. Oh, my, my auntie remembers listening to Adolf Hitler on the radio in 
It's not a secret anymore. So mm. instead of them being prosecuted for their Jones, they just legalized their Jones. Mm. But when, it's, an, it's an attempt to legislate morality. I got to give you another example because, like I said, just to say things and not be able to visually prove it, that's just an opinion. I have to prove things logically and show you, or else, like in math, show your work. Or else I'm just shit talking. And I've lived too real of a life to do that. Absolutely. So, drugs are illegal, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say cocaine is illegal. If I give you cocaine for free, I go to prison. Mm-hmm. If I get caught using cocaine in private at my home, I go to prison. If I get caught selling cocaine, I go to prison. Mm-hmm. That's what you call illegal. If I get caught having sex in my home, nothing happens to me. If a woman gives away sex for free at the club, nothing happens to her. But if she sells it, that's all of a sudden illegal. No, you're just mad because you don't get your cut. And what they're doing right now is trying to figure out how to get your cut. See, if something is illegal for pay, it's illegal for free. Mm. If, I get paid, if I get paid to blow your brains out, I'm going to prison for murder. If I do it because I don't like you, I'm going to prison for murder. See, it's illegal whether I get paid or not. But see, if I have sex with 10 girls tonight, I'm not going to prison. But if, if I pay 10 girls to have sex with me tonight, then all of a sudden it's a problem. How does getting paid for something make it illegal, but it's legal to do it for free? Mm. Then that's that's a case of you trying to legislate morality. Mm-hmm. You don't give me my morals and court plans. I don't listen to you. I follow laws that's in my head. I listen to the voices that I hear when no one's here. That's mm-hmm. my problem. Because I've never in my life seen a two-person casket. I came out of the alone, I'm going to the tomb alone. So, mm. and, our, and our clocks are not synchronized. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So everyone's on their own frequency. I'm not listening to them. Like when some guy said, why do you keep breaking laws? I said, I don't break laws, Your Honor. I don't acknowledge your laws exist. <laughs> I mean, what law? I'm not, I'm not disrespecting the law. I just don't acknowledge it. Why would I listen to somebody else's rules and he has to go to the dirt just like me? You know what lawmakers are? Talk to me. Lawmakers are a group of guys who have money and have more guns than a larger group of people who have smaller guns and less money. That's it. Mm. Last I checked, none of them made a Kevlar, none of them lived for a thousand years. You mean they came out of a woman just like me? And I'm going to listen to you in my one little life? I don't even hear you. I say what I want, I do what I please, and I don't recognize borders. I'm allowed to be in South Africa tomorrow. I'm allowed to be in Columbia tomorrow. I have no fear of receptive so No, I don't break laws. I live my life. I don't acknowledge your laws. You know, it's like this. If a dog runs onto your property, does he get charged for trespassing? Because they, he doesn't he, he doesn't acknowledge your man-made laws. He's not on that frequency. Same concept. Mm. So it's not like I broke the law. You just captured me for disobeying you. I can't disobey you unless I agree to obey you in the first place. I cannot break the law that I don't acknowledge exists. There's only one law. Time takes one way, and we all end up dead. That's the only law. What goes up must come down. The laws of physics. This other man made stuff? Yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) Wow. Whatever. (laughs) So, So when it comes to the laws in the sex industry, why don't you think, why do you think the, the, the laws are, 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 let me ask this. 
How come you think the law isn't federally enforced instead of just state by state? Because America is not one country. It's basically 50 countries under one banner. Again, I always tell people, ask me to prove it. I'll prove it. If you commit a crime in northern Egypt, mm -hmm. you'll be sentenced to, let's say, five years. If you go to southern Egypt and commit that same crime, it's the same sentence. If you're on the east side of Russia, your sentence will be the same if you committed that crime on the west side of Russia. Mm. That's one country. But I can, if I pull out a joint in Utah, I'm going to prison. If I pull out a joint in California, I'm not even getting a ticket. How come the laws change from state to state? That's because they're not states. They're countries, separate countries. The head of an English state is called a governor. That's why it's called the governor. Mm. That's why the government those are 50 separate countries. You know how I know? Because what I do in California will give me a life sentence in Texas. We're talking about the same country, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So if I do something on the west coast of the United States that's legal, how come it's illegal two states over? Mm -hmm. Just a few states over. I thought this was one country. You dig what I'm saying? It's almost like even here in Nevada, you know, prostitution is illegal here in actually Vegas. But if you go to Reno, it's perfectly legal. Like, it's like, it don't make no sense. No, it doesn't. But you have to understand it. America's not a country, it's a mall. You got to understand, each state is has a store in this mall. The mall is owned by one company. That's the federal government. They lease space. So you got to close. They do different things than what they do in a food court. They do different things than what they do in a food court. Now, if you walk into the Gap or, let's say, a clothing store in the mall, they might let you touch the clothes. They might have a dressing room, right? Mm -hmm. Or across to the other place, they might say, we don't have a dressing room. And we can keep our clothes in the back. Why? Because that's your store. Macy's doesn't run their stores like Sears does. Those are 50 separate stores under one roof. Mm. And they all pay a lease to they all pay a lease to the store owner. That's mm. all that is. You have to know how to look at it and what you're looking at so you won't expect something. People are people don't people in America don't understand how this works. They don't understand how this works. Mm. This is these are 50 separate countries under one banner. That's why they have 50 separate states with 50 separate sets of law. If I'm in Utah, shit, I can marry my cousin. I can have nine wives. Go right over to Idaho, which is next door, you're going to, you're going to prison for doing the exact same thing you did in Utah. Mm. So that's why I used to tell people, I'm moving to the country of Texas. I might move to the country of Oklahoma. Why are you calling country? They have different laws that don't coincide with each other. So that must be a different country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, what are some of the things that you've learned about women being in the adult industry, whether it be sending them on a track or you know recording? Wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop. Are you talking about the adult film industry? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? What have I learned? What do you mean? I, I learned how to shoot behind the camera. I really got into it. I used to call myself, you know, Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. I used to call myself Martin Scorsese. 
What are some of your memorable moments in the adult film industry? The ABN Awards. Oh, God, there's too many in the name. Because you got to understand, I did, this is not part-time. This is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So the industry itself, the traveling, it was to, to for the whole rock star. It was money for nothing and chicks for free. Mm. It was fun to me. And it was legal. I didn't have to worry about the Justice Department, even though I almost called a life case from far. But that's another story. Wait, we got to get into that. Because <laughs> I'm all about being game organized and legal and moving a certain way and doing for them, but you almost get a life sentence behind it. Wait a minute. I'm going to tell the story quickly. It was a young lady. She has an Ariana Grande disease. She's one of my Facebook friends. She's close to 40 and she still looks 12. So her birthday was March. I shot her in June. And we have to have model releases where your date of birth is on there match with the IDs and all that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The FBI got a, one of her box covers. She, I'm going to send you the picture in your email to say, this is the picture that got me in trouble. In that picture, she's 18 years old. She looks about 12 and a half. So mm-hmm. they walked into Gentleman's Video, who was run by, you know, the Brooklyn Bent Noses, you know, the ones with the vowels at the end of their names. Mm-hmm. So they walked in and said, show us the paperwork on this girl. He couldn't find it. He called me and said, the FBI are in my office. But that movie, it was from a movie called uh, Filthy Ghetto Diet. And he said, uh, I need you to bring that girl's paperwork up here. I couldn't find it. They went and got the girl. And they wanted me to come to a meeting. I said, I'm not showing up to that. And they said, if you can't find this girl's paperwork, everybody's going down. Because there's no way that she's 18. Now, I know what the date said. We shot in June. Her birthday's in March. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I know that she was 18. So she called me on the phone and said, I don't want to bother you. I know you're busy. And I'm sitting here with two FBI agents that want to talk to you. I said, <laughs> I just hung the phone. And she was like, um, and she told me what the problem was. So we had to meet in secret. And she said, you got to bring the model release. I was like, I can't find it. So what I, did, I knew they were coming to my house. Because if you can't find it, they'll assume that she wasn't 18. So I had to hide out at a chick's house. I had to park my car in Hollywood. Like catch the two buses to her house on the other side of Hollywood, and I put my cell phone in the trunk because I knew they use cell phone towers to track your movies, stuff like that. And I stayed in that girl's house, and around real, real late, I would go to my storage because I said, if it's not my files, it has to be in the storage. And I was checking every accordion file, every accordion. It took me like two weeks to find it. And my mentor, I told you, um, you know, he's dead now. That's uh, Mr. Esposito. You know, I told you, you know, the wise guys and stuff. He said. Because he never called me Mick. He called me by my government name, Mikael, right? He said, Mikael, my associates and I have the feds up here. My associates and I have the feds up here, and they just left because of your mistake. He said, if you don't find that girl's paperwork, we have no interest in ever seeing you alive again. Do you understand? He said, I don't want to see your face if you don't have that piece of paper. And if you don't come up with that piece of paper soon, no one ever will. Come on, see my face. So I'm calling from phone booths, moving over there. And every night I kept going with a flashlight saying, I know it's in here. So when I finally found the piece of paper, I made a copy of it. I gave her the original. I took the copy back up there. And it was like, I'm back in and stuff like that. So you know what the fans did? 
What's that? They, asked, they looked at it and they said, okay, it checks out. Your birthday is there. He said, um, when you turn 18 in March, did he ever approach you in February? Because the conversation with someone under 18 is illegal in and of itself. Right. And um, <clears throat> honestly, to be honest, I'm always honest, but I don't remember if I spoke to her in February or not. I don't know. But I know she didn't report until June. And knowing me, it don't take me long to back. I probably approached her in June. Mm-hmm. You know, it don't take me number two minute conversation. So I was like, I don't know. You know what I mean? But so they asked her, um, did he approach? He said, don't be afraid for your safety. We can keep you safe and we'll take care of your kids and give you $5,000 to relocate. If you tell us that he approached you in February. And you know what she told him? I said, what did you say to him? She said, I ain't no snitch cuz this boomer. <laughs> and I said, I, I said, I said, thank you very much. I appreciate that, but I'm gonna go now, okay? And I <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't think I did, because I would never, it would never take me four months to get a girl to do a film. Right. It's right. you do it or not. So if we shot in June, I probably think I approached around May. Wow. Man, anybody out there listening, man, you anytime you if, if if you shooting if you shooting films and you 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 in the I industry the you better you better have them model releases and then for your safety record them signing the model releases and showing their ID on camera and t- and and asking them like this they hold the ID real man everything you do not want to play no yeah. games out here you know what you feds and you'll be there a long time real talk. I'm going to tell you like this here. Listen, I was in um, one of those interrogation rooms, and he said, let me tell you something. He said, who was with you? I said, who did you catch? We caught you, and I guess that's who was with me. He said, everything is, seems like legit. He said, but if we find out there's any this, that, and the other, and they were underage, he said, let me explain something to you. Your parole officer hasn't even been born yet. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Oh, wait, because your parole officer would be like 28. You're about to do 40 years. He said, your parole officer's parents haven't met yet. That's wow. how much time you're going to do. God. He's like, play with us if you want to. I'm like, what, pity pat a hopscotch? <laughs> you can't, I don't have a fear receptor, so I'm still, but when he walked out of the room, I said, hasn't been born yet. I said, oh, Lord. <laughs> but everything added up, you know, but looking back on it, I probably approached her in May. Okay. Because I was like a do a die type person. Here's my business card. Do you want to do film? Well, I don't want to. Okay, bye. I'm in Chatsworth. I'm at Cal State Northridge. Half them chicks paid their tuition through for It was not hard getting girls. At any given time outside the door, it was like 25 auditions out there every day. Every day. So it wasn't hard. We didn't get girls. They came to us. Right. They treated us like an ATM machine. It was no predatory, you know what I'm saying, energy no. whatsoever. Like, and a lot of people get that misconception. Yeah, they're, they're getting the conception from television. Mm. The people who write that never did that. You know, like in The Godfather, when they say keep your friends close and enemies closer? Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of stupid. Mario Puzo wrote that. He is a writer. He's not a made guy. He's not a wise guy. And he's never been shot. He's never done time. That, no one has ever been in the life. It, that's what happened to Nipsey. See, his enemy was too close to him and his friend was far away. If, you're, if your enemies are closer than your friends, you're a dead man. Anybody who 
been in the life knows that. So I tell people, stop learning and quoting the movies to me. I haven't owned a television in 14 years. I don't watch life I live. That's why you see pictures of me riding camels and doing all these other stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I live my life. Mm-hmm. I don't watch other people do it. It's not a script. You know, that, that's, that's television. So don't compare. You won't be able to compare my real life, my real stories, these real experiences about the life to what you saw on TV. It's like, you want to know about boxing, right? Mm-hmm. You ask Sylvester Stallone? Of course. See, he played one on TV. Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, they really did this. So they can tell you what those punches feel like. They can tell you what it feels like walking down to the MGM Grand. Sylvester Stallone's a writer. He's an actor. Rocky Balboa, that's not a real boxer. You do that shit that you learned in Rocky in a real ring, you won't last 20 seconds. Mm. You won't last 20 seconds. And that's how a lot of guys are going to the life. You watch a lot of TV, don't you? That's not how it works. Mm. And so when I hear a lot of these guys say, I'm an expert, I was like, no, you're not. And I don't sit up and debate with me. If you come to me and you're not correct, you won't be walking away. This is for real. This is an error-free business. Your first mistake is your last and your last and the first lie you tell, you don't have a tongue anymore. Mm. That's why I deal internationally, because I don't play games, and I need to be around people who don't play games. Exactly. I don't, you don't see me posing with rappers and all of that. I'm a career criminal. See, the more people who see my face, like I said, if my name is in your mouth, my foul is on someone's desk. The key is anonymity. I used to be in the barbershop, and guys used to be talking about Mickey Roy. I didn't know they were sitting next to him. Mm. When people started knowing who I was, I said, it's time to go. Because I had Cheyenne Fox in the shoot with me 17 years to the point where we were called Mickey and the Fox. We were like one identity. Let me see my charger. Let me get my charger. Yeah, you, I, I was going to say, yeah, go ahead and grab, grab your charger, man. Even if, if you got to relocate and do what you got to do. Oh, no, give me just a second. Yeah, right. yeah, take your time. Let me check it out. Let me get uh, this board. Uh, we don't have a techno story. Say that again? Oh, you said a technosaurus. <laughs> it's all good, man. We go we go we go get you up to speed. You got- I, I told you earlier, me on the computer is just like that Samsonite gorilla trying to open that suitcase, okay? <laughs> I'm just learning this stuff. <laughs> It is all good, man. I like I said, I, I even appreciate you being on the platform. And uh for anybody that's listening, you make sure y'all go get them man books. You know what I'm saying? The pimp guy, the, the you know what I'm saying? Um what we got? The um Along for the Ride, um, the Pimp Game, the instructional guide, and Pimping Ain't Easy at Amazon.com. You know what I'm saying? Listen. Y'all, y'all, y'all missing out if y'all not reading these books and listening to this man's stories, man, because this this dude is a legend and like, oh, beyond reproach, like. Give me a second, I'm trying to figure out these extensions. Go ahead, man. Let me see, uh, I think this goes here. Okay, you know, carry the one. Carry the one. Uh, <laughs> you know, one move at a time. We all good. Uh, some kind of 
Alright, we have to take a quick break, but we are back. Now, where do we leave off? I have the slightest idea. I have a memory of a goldfish. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we were talking about the lifestyle. We kind of left. I remember we leaving off you telling us stuff. about pornography. That's yeah, yeah. And how important how important that paperwork is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the feds come in there all the time. I remember T.T. Boy. Um, they were so serious about T.T. Boy, Elegant Angles. They were so serious about IDs. He didn't look at IDs. I remember he was the first one to do this. He had that thing like a DMV. He had a slider because a lot of women use fake IDs. Ignorance of the law is not exemption. Yep. So if you record them with a fake ID, you still going to prison. But she used a fake ID. Well, you'll be more careful next time, won't you? So he had one of those things where you can slide, like, a, like you know, like I can slide the ID. Like yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I used to be a bouncer, yeah, so. Yeah. And see, I didn't have to do that too much. Because at the time when I was like in my height, MILF movies were very popular. So I don't have to worry about she's 18. She's 45 years old. Her daughter's 20. So I know she's 18. It, it was a lot of my movies, I would say half of them were MILF movies and BBWs. Okay. Because that's what was selling at the time. And then interracial got real hot. I'm still trying to figure out this thing. Okay, there we go. Where am I? Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, I was shooting, when I was shooting porn and directing and producing pornography, there was no digital yet. Okay. We used DV tape. We still had tape. We had to capture it in real time, upload it in real time, and edit in real time. When I stopped, and then I had to go away on those two bids and stuff. When I came back, everything is digital. They don't even sell many DVDs no more. I'm from a tape era. I'm like, where do you put the tape in? They're like, you dinosaur. We have a SD card. I'm like, what the hell is an SD card? <laughs> I don't know what the on. When I was in the life, I didn't have a cell phone. I had a pager and a Crown Royal bag in the middle of my Cadillac full of quarters. I never used the same phone twice. One time I had to drive to West Covina to make a 40-second phone call because we had codes. I would pick up the phone. I would, I would call them. And they would say, who is this? I said, who is supposed to be? And he would go, okay. I said, okay. Because that means now I'm now. I hang up. That means come to the meeting spot right now. We, our conversation was never over 30 seconds. So they said it takes like 40 seconds to start wiretapping. Now, you got to understand, all the phones are tapped because the adult film industry at that time was run by, uh, you know, those guys from New York. Okay. <laughs> Those Italian guys, so they're yeah. used to not talking on the phone. Our conversation was 30 or 40 seconds. So I never used the same phone twice. If I had to do some work as an enforcer, I've never used the same. I don't call them weapons, they're tools because I'm doing a job. You know, if I'm doing construction work, sometimes I have to pick up a jackhammer. Sometimes I have to pick up a, a cement mixer layer thing. Sometimes they're just tools of the trade. I'm not emotionally attached to any of them, but you can't use them more than once. You have to destroy it. So it can get really expensive. Okay. I don't care if it's a blade, a gun, whatever. You cannot use, I don't use the word weapon because I'm at work. It's only a weapon if it's personal. If you're getting paid to do a job and these are the tools of trade, that's just a tool. If you look at a plumber, he, you know how plumbers crack? He has pliers. 
He has a hammer. He has vice grips. He has screwdrivers. It depends on the situation, which particular tool you use at that particular point of the job. So when people say, what do you carry? I used to carry such and such. I said, you're a liar. Anybody, I don't use the word hitman because that, that's television. The, the proper term is enforcement. <clears throat> I've never heard the word mechanic used. I've never heard the word hitman used in actual wise guys. So I've only heard that on television. And I don't repeat shit I heard on television. I'm not a fan, I'm a player. And I don't put people's names in my mouth and compare this guy to that guy. Because I told one dude, if you want to be a cheerleader, I got a skirt in my closet, I get some pom-poms and put you out there. For a man he's standing up. See, I'm a player who sits down. When I go to prison, I'm a player on injured reserve on the bench for, for five and a half years. You think, but I still remain a player. Michael Jordan doesn't spend his time sitting around talking about Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Players Absolutely. don't talk about other players. Fans do. Players don't put other players' names in their mouth. Cheerleaders do. Mm. So I hate when people say, one of my songs are, I'm, I'm sorry, you got me confused. You've never met. I'm making more. I'm standing up. Okay, ask me another question like that again. You won't walk away from here. Mm. I said, so don't ask. I'm going to know that you're not what you say you are. And I'm going to take care of it right here. Right nice. now. So don't <laughs> come to me if you're not who you say you are. And don't come to me unless someone vouches you to bring to me. Bring you to me. You don't come to me unless I said that. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's Absolutely. the real life. Mm-hmm. Anything you've ever seen in the movies is a goddamn lie. Now, I've heard certain sayings from movies. And say, I'm like, that part is true. I'm going to tell you like this. You ever see Hustle and Flow? Yeah. That whole, club, that whole movie was BS, except one part, and that actually happened to me. Okay. It's going to be hard for me to say because it was emotional. You know what I mean? Okay. Remember the part when the white girl said, it's really hard for me to say because it takes me back to a certain specific, specific incident. And these, these are real people. These are not made up people. That's why this book has so many pictures. These mm. are real people who went through real things that I had mo- that I had dealings with and some of them are no longer here. Funerals are real and they're permanent. And after you deal with this stuff for a long time, it can weigh heavy on you. This is not a game. So the one real, seriously real part in Hustle and Flow I'm trying to get it out because I really don't want to go there. I have a lot of flashback nightmares sometimes. And, and please, if you don't, if, if you feel you want to... No, I, I got to finish my thought because I, I said it, so I got to give it to you. Okay. Remember when the white girl actually said, she said, D, do you know what I do in the back of those cars? She said, do you? That actually happened to me before, and I couldn't answer her. I remember one lady, I said, uh, you've been working for me for years. You never asked me for a dime. You never asked me anything. And I said, I want to do something for you. I'm not a bully and I'm not a leech. I said, you want a new condo? You want a car? You want a cup of coffee? Whatever you want, I'll give it to you right now. She said, I can think of something I want. Because she could have kids, right? She said, I can think of something I want. I want you to get it for me. I said, anything. You've been loyal. You, you, you give me thousands of dollars every day. You know what she said? What's that? She said, I would like a new uterus. And I said, I can't give you that. And she grabbed me by my hands, looked me in my eyes with tears, and she squeezed my hands. She said, then you can't give me anything. And she handed me $1,900 to walk through that room and slam the door. This is somebody 
Because you become friends and family. You know how they say no emotion? That's, that's a goddamn lie. Stop yeah. watching TV. Yeah, There's yeah. no way in the world you're going to live with the same people for years. You guys are in situations, risking your lives every day. You get to know their families. You get to know each other. You can say, well, the people don't feel like this. Shut up. If I hear one more rap quote and one more because I tell somebody, man, I'm going to put a hole in you so big, so big, right here. You come to me with one rap line, one movie quote, one of that made-up shit. It's the equivalent of me because I'm Italian slicking my hair back, coming into the uh, the Gambino Social Club, uh, Raven Night or the Bourbon Hunt Fish, and saying movie dialogue from Godfather. You ain't walking out of there. This is not a game. My bullet holes will tell you this is not a game. My prison time will tell you this is not a game. I'm talking facts, right? Every word I've said to you, even these words, I have a sharp, serious, I can't feel anything from here. Sometimes I have to write my mouth a lot because I have spittle or food and I can't feel it. I can't feel this. I can only feel the pressure. I can't feel from here to here. I can't feel right here, all the way down here. I don't know if I'm having an orgasm or pissing. Okay, I'm down here doing the stem cell research. I got to pay in cash, but I'm getting my body back together. I'm not going to let anybody touch my face because I'm vain and... I can't, I can't let you affect the gruesome gorgeous over here. I'd rather just be in pain, but the rest of my body I have to have repair. Because I want to feel something. <clears throat> you know, and it's mostly numb. Something you know, that, this is weird. Something that I want to ask you, man. What do you think the hardest thing is about managing a house full of women? Say that again? What do you think the most difficult thing about managing a house full of women is? These are women. Do you know what the problem we had in that house? Because I've had several houses at one time and stuff like that. You know what the biggest problem was? What's that? Females touching other stuff, taking too long in the restroom. They're women. They're not from Mars. We didn't have problems with the business part. We had problems just because it's just females. Bitch. Little stuff like that. Remember barbershop? Who the hell drank all my orange juice? Shit like that. Small stuff. I might come in and it'd be two girls on the floor fighting because one put on the other one's panties by mistake or whatever. Simple female stuff. I'll give you an example of something that I went through. So I used to um, throw events and uh, fashion shows back back home in Milwaukee. And uh, I remember we had one particular fashion show with a bunch of females. And, um, you know... Every time we throw in a fashion show, I, I, everyone, somebody then stole somebody's stuff from the goddamn back, you know what I'm saying, from the dressing room. And then they leave the dressing room in a goddamn mess. And, you know, one model's about to get ready to fight one model because she done fucked their man or something like that. And it's always I like... I had one chick, right? I had one chick, that, uh, chick that used to be at a club, strip club with Gardena, right? Uh-huh. Next thing I know... We were talking, she ran on the stage, grabbed this chick and started beating her up. You know why? The chick went through her bag in the back. Her stuff, she didn't have her stuff. Took out some of her panties and got on stage, you know, and started dancing in the other chick's outfit without asking. Ooh. It was stuff like that. That actually happened right in front of me. And I was like, we were just talking, that's her friend. I said, where you going? And she ran up there. Pow! I'm like, and she's like, you don't go through us. You don't go through nobody's face. I'm like, what the hell just happened? But I didn't know what, what. She saw her outfit and the other chick was wearing. That means she went through my bag. It was stuff like that. 
Wow. You know what else I do? Because a lot of them I, I would take to the club, to the after hours. We did everything. So a lot of them were dancers too. Mm-hmm. One of my chicks was dancing on stage, and this dude ran in there, hopped on the stage, covered her with his jacket, put her over his shoulder, and ran out. Was running out. I said, What the heck are you doing? He said, This is my daughter. I was going to say, That's got to be his, that had to be his baby or something. That, he, that, this. he said, Are you going to stand in the way of that? I said, I respect the game, man. Take your daughter home. And I just moved out the way. I said, I respect that. Take your daughter home. Right. He didn't pay was his way through. He copped up there, wrapped her up, and she was kicking his stuff. He said, Don't eat on him. Don't get in my way. And I said, I said, where you going? And he said, This is my daughter. I'm gonna take her home now. I said, Take her home. Take her home. And I just moved out of the way. I said, Nobody touch me. Leave him alone. That's his child. Take her home. Mm. No. It's a code and I never break it. Talk about you know, that. There are lines that I won't cross. Like Doc Holliday said, my hypocrisy goes only so far. Mm. I said, take your baby home. Take your baby home. You know. A G, a G is a gentleman. That's why we call a pimp is a gentleman. That's why we call gentlemen of leisure. Yeah. We're not called thugs of leisure. We're not called savages of leisure. Why do you think there's so much, let me ask you this, why do you think there's so much nonsense and foolery in the game now, like, how come more more, more PIs can't, like, work together and, and do something that's actually legal and turn, turn around? I can, that, I can answer that for you. This is not drugs. Pimping is a solo sport. It's only one booster per hen house. I don't understand this group pimping shit. Mm. Like I said, what's this homo, homo thug, uh, male affiliation shit? This is not drug game. You cannot be an effective drug dealer without a group and a network. Pimp is not like that. It's only one rooster on this farm and a whole bunch of hens. I said one rooster per hen house. That's his family. The other one, you go to a farm. Let's say you go to a huge farm in Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. They got a bunch of cows. They got a bunch of pigs. They got a bunch of chickens. How many roosters they got? When they crow in the morning, you don't hear five or six. You hear one voice. One rooster per hen house. You don't see a bunch of roosters. When you got two roosters somewhere, they're fighting to the death. Mm. That's why they call it cockfighting. <laughs> like, if you put two roosters in the room, they're going to fight to the death. Now, mm-hmm. if you put 75 chickens in the room with one rooster, they're going to get them all fine. One rooster per hen house. There is no room of pimps. But I mean, some people have the philosophy that, you know, in order to be known as a pimp, you got to fellowship with other pimps and you got to be outside and you got to, you know. Yeah, that's gay to me. Okay, that, that, I'm, I'm okay with that. Fellowship? What is this, a club? No, 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 no. It's like the mob. They meet in secret, but they don't meet in large groups. They tried that in 1957. There's a place called in New York. And the fans kicked the door in. And it's like, uh, Mickey, you want to come to this thing with us? I said, are you asking me if I want to be in a room with a bunch of convicted <laughs> felons while I'm in an illegal business at Cosimia with for life? Grow up. Grow up. I'm not a rapper. I'm not a... Grow up. I didn't start talking about this stuff until I was out of the game at least 10 years. <coughs> That's when Geographic asked me. He said, would you do this interview if you were still in my life? I said, I didn't take pictures. That's why my pictures are either recent or a long time ago. I said, if you pulled up with a camera back then, I would have covered my face and walked away and drove away. I don't want you to know who I am. But if you know who I am, other people do too. If my name is in your mouth, my file is on somebody's desk. 
And I've been in that back room to hear your parole officer hasn't even been born yet. Your parents haven't even met. That's how long you're about to do. If we find out this, that, and the other. I said, then I'll make sure you don't find out. This is an error-free lifestyle, and your personal stake is your last one. Do you think money and gang go hand in hand? No. Why? Okay, let me give you an example. Paris Hilton has a billion dollars. You think she's got a lot of gang? No, she's done as a box of rocks. Money, money doesn't raise the IQ. It doesn't. Mahatma Gandhi was poor. Malcolm X died with $79 in the bank. If that's the case, wouldn't they make Donald Trump a genius? Mm. Money doesn't raise the IQ. I've had some of the wisest teachers growing up in high school, in junior high school. One of my teachers used to ride the bus with me. See, they don't pay teachers a lot of money. That doesn't mean that person doesn't have a 165 IQ. That just means they're in a field that doesn't pay a lot of money. So, no, I don't equate geniusness. Nikola Tesla didn't have any money. If, if, if you have a 98 IQ and you're Forrest Gump and all of a sudden you create bubblegum shrimp, did he get any smarter after he was rich or talk any differently? Money does not affect the IQ. Mm. Money is only, the only people who are impressed with money and related to how much, how smart you are game are cheerleaders. Cheerleaders. Mm. That's it. No, money and game has nothing to do with each other. One, one is education, one is finance. Okay, okay. Because now, what would you tell somebody that's, uh, as we like to say, you know, holist and dolish? You know, they're just kind of out busted and disgusted, you know, no women on the look for their next next come up, you know, but their their money isn't necessarily right. Like, what, what type of advice would you give? You know, my audio is low, even though you can hear me well. I just have a phone with and I had to unplug the speaker because of the uh, echo. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm saying some, if somebody's low on money and doesn't have a woman and they're in search of a woman, what are some of the things that they can do to get a woman? You mean for the life or just get for, for the for the lifestyle, but if it but it can be transcended into everyday life. You mean to become a parent? Start living? Yeah. Oh no, okay. no or, or, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that. I can answer all your questions. I can answer all your questions. If you go into the life, into the game. You, and you don't have a woman, and you want to knock your first woman, you're not going to get a bottom woman like that unless she's at rock bottom. She's not going to be older. She's going to be close to your age or younger. And the only way you can do that, because you can't come to her talking about what you can do for her. You just got off the same bus as her. So that's what I, I'm talking about in the third pimp game, all right? That's the chili pimp, boyfriend pimp, Bonnie and Clyde approach. We in this together. We're going to come up together. See, that would justify the fact that you don't have any money. Because we're starting at the same level. You, and you have to start with that one. Before you get your second one, you have to solidify your relationship with that one. It has to be an emotional connection. Because at that point, you can't do anything for her. So you have to do something to her. You have to hit her here. You have to hit her here. You can't hit her here because you're sitting there with run over shoes. What you're saying doesn't make sense. You can't even give her a ride to the tracks. You have to catch the bus. But if we're doing something together... She'll work even harder for the both of us. Ask me to prove it. I prove everything I say because I did this for real. Ask me to prove it. Prove it. Under slavery, total chattel slavery, 
we picked the cotton, right? Yes, we did. We picked it from sun up to sundown, right? Yes, sir. Because you can't pick cotton in the dark. That's only 12 hours. That's only from 6 to 6. You didn't pick it in the dark. Do you know that once slavery was outlawed and sharecropping was introduced, cotton production in the United States went up 300%? Wow. Because someone who feels that we're in this together, see, they couldn't pick cotton in the dark when they were slaves. But when they became sharecroppers, they picked it by candlelight. Mm. <laughs> they brought their lanterns with them because this is our thing. Now, how is the fact that I own you outright and then I let you go and I make you a partner and take a piece, how is it that it goes up 300% when it's us but when I'm the master, you only do it 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You have to convince if the bigger man has to convince the smaller man that he's serving a grander purpose bigger than himself and solidifying his future mm -hmm. and he'll work with you. He'll work all night. Wow. Because you're not making him work. He's building it. You know who else follows that philosophy today? Who's that? Uber. Uber doesn't say come work for us. What do they say? Partner with us. Mm. Do you know Uber drivers drive twice as long as cab drivers? <laughs> because they're partnered. Uber will say, this is our business. We're in this together. The people drive 18 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Because it's our thing. Mm. <laughs> what would you say? say? Recognize game when it's in your face. How about that? Wow. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Now, there I was... Every question, I did this for real. Uh, what you don't hear from me is a bunch of rhymes. What you don't hear from me is trying to compare anybody who says, well, men are like this and women do this. And then you're just doing logical equations, but you have no actual experience because anyone that has actual experience knows that each individual woman is unique as a fingerprint. So they, when somebody likes to categorize, they're playing games and they're lying. You're not someone who said, well, I wasn't no gorilla pimp. I was this kind of pimp. You're a liar. You know why? Because the type of pimping you do depends on the particular player. Mm -hmm. No, not player. It depends on the host. Example, if you're a football coach, right, certain players you got to screen that to get them emotionally motivated. You go right over to the quarterback, you speak softly to him and show him on the board. He learns a different way. I knew chicks that um, they wouldn't respond to me unless I, had physical, I initiated physical pain, right? I go right over to another host house, if I hit her, she was blow my brains out. See, she was in the Marines. So I have to talk softly to this girl, drive over here, motivate this one emotionally, drive over here, and gorilla pimp this one, drive over here and do that chili function. Each individual brain is different like an individual fingerprint. So whenever they group it, you're a liar. You learn this from reading a bunch of books. You learn this from watching TV. You're a liar you got my face. That's it, I'm going to blow a hole in you. I do not like that because people who did this for real, we have prison records, we have holes in our bodies, we have real stories that involve real people, and it gets emotional sometimes. Because if a woman's been with you six years, you know her children, mm. you know her mother, you know her father, and you have to go to her mother and father and say, your daughter's not coming home anymore. She had a throat slip last night. Mm. Now, when you have to do that 20 and 30 times over the course of 37 years, it kind of gets to you. It kind of gets to you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, no. 
I know the variables involved because I actually hear this. And whenever they're talking on the internet here, I said they're lying. They're lying. They're exaggerating. They're, they're putting together a bunch of facts. I'm gonna just, yeah, the stories I tell you, you can't Google. Yeah. You can't Google. You have to have been there. I'm going to tell you like this here. I watched Full Metal Jacket, right? Yeah. I watched First Blood and Rambo. I see all of that. Do you know my uncle's stories about Vietnam and his 81 confirmed casual kills? Like you said, most of them were women and children. You know, his stories don't sound like Full Metal Jacket. That's Hollywood. Ask a Vietnam vet what it was really like. And that's how, and if you come to him with that Hollywood shit, he's probably going to have a flashback. That's the same way I feel when he come up to me and, oh, give me this, give me that. Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm about to put a smile on your neck. Wow. Don't come to me. Because I know if you're phony, it's the same thing if, if some white guy goes up to the wise guys and like, yeah, I'm with the ravioli family. <laughs> They're going to kill him right then and there on the spot. You're making fun of something that I've given my whole life to. And I couldn't get another life. I can't turn back the clock. My whole life I've given to this. Hmm. And it was serious and it was real. I have to sleep a certain way because I don't want bullet fragments to pierce my goddamn heart. This is real. I have nightmares about people that I swore to protect. And they're not here anymore. Mm. But yet, I'm still in contact with their children sometimes. So I'm responsible for taking your mother away. I said, but you wonder why I sleep every 48 to 72 hours. Who says I sleep at all? Who says I sleep at all? It happened. I can't turn the clock back. And it was realer than you think, and it was intense. Wow. So no, if they don't have any kind of stories, they're lie. So miss me with the funny colors and the little pink and girl suits. I'm like, yeah, you got a cute little costume on. You sleepy? You want to put holes in it? You want to wet it for you? Get out of my fucking face. Or I'll give you a slap and have a sissy. What do you Just think? Just because you're in the pimp game does not mean your voice should go up six octaves. Right. Or you, need to, or you need to rhyme a whole bunch of rhymes and quatrains and whatnot. I'm going to tell you like this here. I first published The Pimp Game in 1998. Next year will be 25-year anniversary. Wow. I wrote The Pimp Game after I lived alone for the ride. And I published it. And then after I lived alone for the ride, I wrote alone for the ride. Do you know I published The Pimp Game in 98? That was my first book. Alone for the ride in 99, originally. Do you know Pippin' Ain't Easy came out in 2018? Oh, wow. Now, why was there a 19-year gap between my second year and the third year? Oh, see, I was being Mickey Royal. Mm. You think I'm on a track and I can pull over and go, oh, let me conjugate a verb here. No, I can't write about this shit while I'm living it. I have to wait till I'm far removed for it. Mm. Then I can sit down and write it. How do you sit down and even write anything while you're in the midst of doing it? You can't. This is constantly living on the razor edge. That's why I wrote all my stuff in the pen. I have to stop, get away from it, reflect on what happened, and then start. But you think we ride down the track and I got a clipboard in my hand doing this shit, taking dictation? Mm. Nah, grow up and stop watching TV. That's not how it's done. What, if the, what do you think some of the characteristics that you have to possess to be successful in the lifestyle? It pays to be a narcissistic, sadistic sociopath. If you're not, you're not going to make it. Talk about it. You have to look inward. You have to be able to see someone crying, suffering, and bleed out and go, 
Anybody hungry for lunch? You have to be able to do that. If not, that's, okay. Remember that movie called Superfly? Yeah, yeah. Now, you know that was a drug dealer's, right? It's yeah. Drug dealing murders, right? Remember the part where Eddie told Priest, who's a drug dealing murderer, he said, what you gonna do besides hustle? Except happen. He said, you really ain't got, he the, got the stomach, stomach for that. that. Yeah, I remember now, that. Why would, why would he tell a drug dealer who's in the murder business that you don't have the stomach to be a pimp? Let's break that's, it. That's a real, that's real. Let's break that down. Wrong, narcissistic, sadistic. You have to almost get off on it. You have to be so sociopathic in order to do it a right way. Mm. But to do it successfully without being killed in the first uh, 36 months. He, that's a cold line. He's telling a murderer, you really ain't got the stomach to be a pimp. You really ain't got the stomach for this. Go deep. That's the truth. So go 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 deeper, man. Go go a little bit deeper. Oh, I, I'm saying like um, go far far as uh being a whole different person, being in the pimp game, and how you gotta be. When you when you're in the sex trade, when you're in the pimp game, your business is pain, physical, emotional, and extremely psychological pain. So it's not pleasure. It's not by accident. Hmm? So it's not pleasure. Only if you're say this. Unfortunately, since we're being truthful and I never lie, I actually get a sexual charge from inflicting pain. That's on, the only way I can on, actually. On, get on, it. Are we talking on women or, or, or in the pimp game? Any kind. Mm. When I was 13 years old and came from an extremely permanent act of violence, because I can't get into it, but the person begged, it was a guy, he begged for his life. In such a way, I had an orgasm right there in my pants. When I was 13 years old, I said, I see as a line, the devil put the gun in my hand, but I shot it. And that feeling you get addicted to, and you want to do more and more and more. Next thing you know, you're getting information from someone over a 36-hour period. And the more they scream, the more they beg, the more they go in and out of consciousness, the more erect you are. The more it, it just fuels you. You turn yourself into a sociopathic sadist without even knowing. So how does this tra translate into women and, and, and dealing in the pimp game? Like I told National Geographic, we know exactly what we're doing. We know that you're going to end up with PTSD. We know that you're going to lose your kids. We know that we're separating you from your family. This is a chess game. Everything is by design. We know that, we're okay with it, we enjoy it, and we do it on purpose. That's where the pain, that's what it is. You're in the pain business. I know that that trick is married. The one I introduced to my girl, one of my girls, I know that he's gonna lose his wife, his house, his car, his job. And I do it with a smile. What was the line from Shakespeare, William Shakespeare's King Lear? The Prince of Darkness is a gentleman. <laughs> wow. He's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's sinister. He's not a savage. He's sinister. Your killers come with smiles. What did DMX say in that song? Go ahead, smoke it. 
Go ahead. Drink it. Go ahead and touch that little girl. I'll keep the secret. It's extremely evil. Because it deals with the innate within human being. It's sinister. It's manipulation. It's not control. It's a different. You don't steer. You guide. Mm. What? Is this something? There's a, there's a question that I've kind of been asking. And did you turn the comments off? I haven't seen anything like Oh, the, the comments are on, but I, I don't think no one's uh, watching at the moment. So we're still, right, but we're still, we're still recording on audio. So, you know, we're, it's all good. It's all good. But um, one of the questions I want to ask you is, uh, in your opinion, in your own words, what's the difference between a prostitute, a sugar baby and a gold digger? Technique. And I don't have opinions, I only deal in facts. If we're doing opinions, they're like assholes if we want to ask one. We will never end the conversation. I only do a fact. Technique. Sex for money is sex for money. See, I don't feel a prostitute is something bad. I think she's smart. All women have sex for money. Prostitutes get theirs up front. Absolutely. Wives are covered on the back end. So it depends on when you want to get paid. That's all. You're doing the same thing. When you want to get paid, up front or on the back end? You get paid quicker up front, you get more on the back end. Which one do you want? You want long money or short quick? You want to sprint, you want to run a marathon, or is it a relay race? I don't care. I'm just firing a gun and saying, start. You're running the race, you decide. That's why we call it a track. <laughs> wow. So we call it a track. It's just a, it's just a difference in terminology and technique. Okay. One pans for gold, one digs for gold. Talk pans about is more it. of a multiplication. They're small and you're scooping like this. Digging is more direct with a target. Mm. Like I told some chick, I love gold diggers. I attract gold diggers. For real? Oh, don't get it twisted. I'm not the gold. I'm the one who gives you the map. I'll lead you I the way to the gold. Diggers. I sell maps and shovels. And I will hold the lantern. But see, for this job, I'm not equipped. You have to dig, but I'll make sure when you come home with the gold, no one jumps out of the shadows and takes it from you. There's a lot of prospectors and bandits. I always like to give the analogy since we're talking about gold digging is there's two there's two that I'll give you. You can either go for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or you can have Fort Knox. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? And then I always say there's a difference between gold digging and gold mining. You know, anybody yeah. can go. Anybody can go with their shovel and and their and and their uh, little pan and go by the creek and sift for some gold. You know what I'm saying? Anybody can do that. But when you're talking about gold, um, when you're actually talking about manufacturing, I'm trained gold diggers. Say what? I'm trained gold diggers. Exactly. Exactly. You, you know what? I put it like this. You know how you say gold digger in English? Uh-huh. Smart. Yeah, absolutely. And Smart. see, and when you deal with gold, and see, when you deal with individuals like this, then that's when you're getting to gold mining because then you have an operation behind you. You know what I'm talking about? Then, you know, when you're talking about gold mining, you need machines, you need a team, you need a You know what I'm saying? See, There's, if, you're broke, if, if you're broke and you're macking up a chick, a lady of vision, and you want to start that, you have to go into it because you're building the foundation. You yeah. don't have anything. She doesn't have anything. Mm -hmm. You have to go into it as partners. Yeah. 
We have to go into it as partners. Because you can't deliver. So now you have to sell a future. And if you're selling a possible future, then the reality is what we do in the present. Because you are not established yet. So your technique could be different as opposed to you got the bed, you got the house, you got the dish, you got the setup. You can bring them to the establishment. Case in point, you know how an NBA owner drafts a player, tells them how much he can do for him, mm-hmm. blah, 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 when he's coming out of college. Mm-hmm. When the NBA was being formed, they had to make those original players partners. They don't have that yet. Mm-hmm. We're going to build something together. I need you to play hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, yo, I said, go ahead, keep rolling. I'm trying to mess around and drop the phone, but go ahead. Okay, here we go. We're back. Did you have any low points in in the game? There's highs and lows in anything. Okay. It goes like this. There's no straight flow. It's like this. It's like this. But there's always tomorrow. I say it comes with, it's like this. Asking a football player, do you have any low points? Well, I ran a touchdown one play, and then I dislocated my knee the next play. Mm. That's just football. Oh. That's just football. It comes with it. Get injured comes with playing contact sports. But also, money does, uh, touchdowns, trophies, but also not making the playoffs. There's a lot of things involved with playing football. There's good and bad. There's whatever. It just, it's just the thing. So, low points, no. No. Because you understood the consequences of what it is that you were doing. The consequences. I don't believe there's no consequence in life but death. And since death is inevitable, there's no such thing as a consequence. A safe life does not ensure a long life. Mm. My mother is a school teacher. I'm a career criminal. We're both going to the same dirt. Wow. Everybody's story is the same. Adolf Hitler's story is the same as Martin Luther King's, is the same as uh, Mother Teresa's, is the same as um, Ronald Reagan's. You know what that story is? What's that? We live and we die? He was born, he lived, he died. Life is a series of distractions before death. That's all it is. What you do is irrelevant. You were born, you lived, you died. That's it. That's it. How do you choose to waste your time is what's called life. If you eat the purest food and live on an island by yourself, you're going to die just the same as the guy who was in Chicago who got gunned down. We're both going to the dirt. Mm. You just chose to fish most of your life. He chose to do this. This lady chose to teach. We're going to be at the same cemetery. And not in order. You have gangsters who outlive innocent people. It's just how the mob flops, the coin talks. But rest assured, we're all going to go to the same. And I don't listen to other people because I never in my life seen a true person cast it. I came off the womb alone, going to the tomb alone, and our clocks are not synchronized. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me anything because we're not on the same frequency. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you anything because I don't see life through your eyes. Absolutely. So there is no right or wrong. I do not have a concept of right or wrong. Okay. That's what you're doing. There's no consequence but death, and that's inevitable for everybody. So what is the consequence? Somebody said, well, like, I'll tell you what I told the judge in the last case when I got five years. She said, um, Mr. Sharif, with your philosophy and the way you live, you're going to end up dead 
or in prison. I said, if I become a school teacher for 100 years, where, where, where would I end up? Am I going to end up at Disneyland? And she said, are you going to, she said, you're going to be dying, you're going to die in prison. I said, as opposed to dying in Malibu. I said, let me explain something to you, Judge. I have a problem with the dying part. The location is irrelevant. <laughs> if, if, if I die in my cell, I'm surrounded by four great walls. If I die in this beautiful bedroom where I live, I die, I'm surrounded by four white walls. So we're just talking about a difference of color. Hmm. <laughs> I said, she said, I've never met anyone like you. I said, no, there's no such thing as magic fingerprints. How would you? <laughs> wow. I said, how would you? And the last thing I told her was she said, Kid, I said, and she said she gave me the five years. And I said, she said, you have anything to say? I said, yeah. When I get out of prison, my abs are gonna be magnificent. <laughs> I was just thinking about the workout plan. And she said, and I said, oh, one more thing, Your Honor. And I did this from Saturday, uh Silence of the Lamp. I'm mm-hmm. waiting there and said, love the soup, Clarice. And I walked off. And she said, get out of here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I thanked her for the five years, but I didn't plead guilty to three counts of attempted murder. Oh, wow. I, and like I told the DA, I've been getting in trouble longer than you've been a lawyer. You're a 32 year old DA. I have 37 years of getting arrested. I know my job better than yours. I just got captured. Let me tell you what it's going to be. You rise up because of guilty, please. I'm not going to go to trial because the police were the actual witnesses. You know, so I said, if you drop the charge, I'll plead guilty to the max. So I pled guilty to three counts of assault with a deadly weapon with great bodily injury. And I say in the beer game, what's the difference between assault with a deadly weapon and attempted murder? Oh, a good lawyer. It's the same act. It's just the word is one carries life, one carries a maximum of like five or seven years. It just depends how you work. Assault with a deadly weapon and attempted murder are the exact same actions. It just depends on which lawyer you have. That's all. So I said, you drop into assault with a deadly weapon with GDI, and I'll sign this paper and go do my time. Because I knew I couldn't beat the case in court. Mm-hmm. I got literally caught red-headed. I'm covered in blood, too. But I put you back in Cleveland. I'm oh, I called my mother on the phone. I always tell her. And she said, uh, so you back in, huh? I said, how did you know? She said, I had to press five. <laughs> she said, they tell you that this is a, this is a uh, collect call from an inmate in the uh, Men's Central Station. Uh, collect call from Nikki Royal. And the Men's Central Station is any other. To accept this call, please press five now. To deny, simply hang up. You press five. Thank you for using Google Shelby. Your call is connected. I know it by heart. <laughs> so my mother said, she said, uh, you got life? I said, no, I'm coming home. She said, well, I see you. Christmas said, you're not going to see me for Christmas. She said, what about next year? I said, let me cut the shit. I won't be home this year or next year or the year after or the year after. Or the year after, but I will be home. And she put her head down. I know she put her head down, but I could hear her. She like, she said, what happened? Because I don't care. I'm saying this over a cat phone. I've already signed the paper. So I'm like, mom, I, you know, because I, I turned into like an eight-year-old. I said, mommy, they got your only child in here. And I just happened, coincidentally happened to be at the scene of a crime, scene of the crime, when the police pulled up. She said, what were you doing at the scene of the crime? I said, oh, commitment. <laughs> Because when I, whenever I'm in a situation, because my mother has a bad heart, whenever I'm in a situation, I try to make her laugh. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. 
but that doesn't mean we have to be depressed about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because if I'm sad about the situation, do I get any less time? No, so let's play dominoes. Let's make a spread. Let's get the Bruno shot. I'm in here, baby. Because you gotta understand, you play psychological games with yourself. When I'm locked up, I don't consider myself locked up. I think that the rest of the world is locked out. <coughs> this is the spot, baby. <laughs> I have to do that to my brain so that you don't swing from the end of a rope. You have to do that to yourself. You know what I do? I divide whatever amount of time I get into four, and I say I gotta go back to college. So when I tell people I'm in my freshman year, I'm in my sophomore year, I just consider myself at an all-boys college going to school. Mm. I do that to myself so that I can survive in there mentally. Mm. So, no. Well, my yeah. attitude is the same behind, bars, behind the wall or in front. I'm still happy because I have convinced myself that this is the place to be. And when I walk out, I go, that place sucked. But I'm not going to say that while I'm in there because it's going to affect my mood too greatly. Mm. And I've seen a lot of guys swing from the top of that bed sheet. A lot of them. They just couldn't take it anymore. Well, let's switch gears a little bit, man. You've dealt with countless, if not an infinite amount of women in your lifetime. And uh, when you wanted to do business with them, whether it be in the industry or whatever have you, what are some of the characteristics that you look for in a woman that says, "Okay, you know what? You're type. You're the type of woman I want to have around." It depends what position they were going to play. See, you got to understand, it's not a monolith. It's not a a woman who's a good stripper does not mean she's going to make a good prostitute. Talk a about that. Does not necessarily make a good porn star. A woman who's a porn star does not necessarily do private dates. Some, most of them do all, but you have, I would say half of them do all, the other half are generally in one specific section. Okay. So I put people in positions where they prosper. If I were a football coach for, for Pop Warner, every kid would start. You know why? Because I have a position for you. You can't say, my son is uh, short, fat, and slow. I would just have it at center. Right. My son, he's scared to get hit. He's on special teams. Mm-hmm. My son, anybody that comes down the street, he knocks him down. Oh, I needed an outside linebacker. Defensive end. We can keep going with this. My one son, he only plays soccer. He's scared of football. Oh, I need a punter bad. Everybody gets a position. Everybody starts. They're just in different positions. So when I look her up and down and side to side, I can tell where to position her that will where she wants to be. And that will do the most benefit because if she wants to be there, she'll work her ass off with a smile. But if you put her somewhere where she doesn't want to be, just like a job, she's going to be watching the clock. She's going to be watching the clock and she's looking for a way out. I don't do that. I don't force a guy. I like to beat people up. My son is a juvenile delinquent. He always beat people up. Have you ever heard of Broadway boxing gym? Have you ever heard of Golden Gloves? I don't get mad at him before because he likes to fight. I put him where his skill and his interest can best benefit him, which me too. I'm not going to find Mike Tyson in the street trying to make him a savior. Mm. You like to fight, and you're not afraid of getting hit. Boy, do I have a career for you. <laughs> it's almost like the same thing with my OnlyFans agency. And for, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not going to... 
I'm not in the I'm not in the business of trying to find women, you know, who who are aren't interested in doing OnlyFans and trying to convince them to do it. No, I'm looking for women who is already in the industry and just kind of don't know what they're doing, and they can use somebody's services like myself, and I can guide them into the direction that they need to go. You ever heard the term pimps don't choose hoes, hoes choose pimps? They have to choose. Yeah, that part is true. Mm. That's what I'm trying to say next when you grab when they can say, what do you recruit them? I said, we don't recruit them. They could, I used to have to fire chicks. I used to have to turn chicks away because I'm like, they all want to be in movies. And I said, I don't have enough work for all of you. Mm. And I'm not going to just sit you still. A lot of times, you would take a chick and put her on the pole until the movie opens up. Until the opportunity opens up. This way you can make some money until some more money opens up. Because mm-hmm. I have so many women. I don't even have business for all of you. I don't have, I don't have work for all of you. And if you have more than you can handle, you're going to find yourself hustling backwards because you have to pay. For, it's like this. Let's say you got five cars, right? Okay. But only two of them run. Why would you have five car notes and only two cars running? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. And that's what you end up. The, the amount, the number of hoes you have has nothing to do with the amount of money you pay. This is a service. They're, they're not products. See, if I got 10 kilos of cocaine and you got five, I'm going to make twice as much money than you. That's math, right? Mm-hmm. I could have two homes and make more money than you got 10. Give me an example. Something. You kept the entire Dallas Cowboys Chillers, right? You got a Bordello. I only got two homes. One's name is Rihanna. One name is Kim Kardashian. Who made the most money this year? Shit. Who make more money shit? So it's not the number of human beings that you have. They're not products. So whenever I hear a pimp say, well, you know, I only had four in, but he only got four. I got seven. I say, oh, you guys are watching television again. Oh, you're acting. You're a good actor. Nominees for best actor are. The second I find out you're mine, the second you slip like that, you should leave my presence. Because my background, I didn't get into the life as a pimp. I got into the life as a gangbanging enforcer. When I say the life, I mean the underworld, the shadow as a life. Okay, and see, when I'm referring to the life, I guess I'm referring to the lifestyle of actually pimping and hoeing. Okay, so. No, you got to understand the terminology. Okay. When we say the life, that's one thing. When we talk about pimping and hoeing, that's the game. Okay. Gotcha. The game is inside the life, but there's many games inside the life. The life is like this. All cookie bills are Cadillacs, right? Okay. But all Cadillacs are cookie bills. Gotcha. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's all in the life. Everybody is in the life, but not everybody's in that game. Mm. Okay. There's a different game. You got the pimp game, the dope game. You know what I'm saying? You got, you got a bunch of different games. You got, it's all under the same umbrella. Okay. Narcissistic hedonism. <laughs> And you said hedonism because that's something I wanted to get into. We've been we've been talking for two hours for uh, man about a lot of different I shit. Islamic, I have Islamic jihad tattooed on my arm. My firstborn <laughs> son is named after Saddam Hussein. Oh yeah, shout out. When to... People ask me about Islam. It makes sense. Yeah, that's in the loan for the ride. If you read it, that's his real legal name I put in it. But if you um. Act, when they one interview I did, they asked me about my religion and this and the other. I said, you know what? Just like in um, Tombstone with Doc Holliday, 
my hypocrisy goes only so far. I can't claim something I'm not living. I'm not somebody who's going to say, oh, I'm a Christian, and then I go off and do not Christian things. I can't live as a lie because mm-hmm. I know the truth. So when people ask me about my religion now, I say, well, I was born and raised Islamic, but my religion is hedonism. Mm-hmm. I do what I want, when I want, how I want for myself gain and the gain of people that's under my umbrella. That's not Islam. Islam is an Arabic word that only means submission. That's yeah. all I mean. Submission I'm Muslim, the one who submit. That's it. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I'm a hedonist. I'm in the constant pursuit of self-pleasure. Mm-hmm. So my religion is hedonism. I changed my religion on Facebook. If you look under my religion and you say Islam, it says hedonism because my hypocrisy goes only so far. I can't be a hypocrite. Mm. And I can't be a liar. So I changed it to hedonism because even though, you know, I still believe in, you know, Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I even though I do all of that shit, I don't live like that. Absolutely. So my philosophy and religious beliefs have to coincide with my actions. Mm-hmm. I have an action. I'm not going to claim to be an angel when I got the actions of a devil. I have to claim demon until I change my actions to otherwise. Absolutely. Of course, I'm a lying hypocrite and I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. I have never told a lie in my life. Wow. When I got to court on this last week, she said, Mr. Sharif, do you know why you're being originally charged with attempted murder? I said, oh, oh, I know the answer to that. She said, why? I attempted to murder them. I said, that's kind of redundant. That's, I thought that was painfully obvious. If we're going to point out the obvious that that's the game plan, we're going to be here twice as long as we should. Let's get on with it. You have a job to do. Catch me for committing crimes. I have a job to do. Not get caught for committing crimes. Today you did your job better than me. It's not personal. Next time I'll be a little more careful and there will be a next time. She said, you promised me you won't ever gonna come in my courtroom again. I said, I'm never gonna come in your courtroom again. She said, you can make rhymes and be in this courtroom. I said, no, I won't. She said, how can you say that? I said, oh, because when I get out of prison, I'm moving to Washington. I'll be in their courtroom. <laughs> I said, I'm getting the hell out of California when I get out of here. So I'll never see you again. I'll see a different judge. <laughs> <laughs> you know what she said? She said, uh, Mr. Shreve, you're just incorrigible. I said, with all due respect, Your Honor, I was in high school six years. What on earth leads you to believe that I know the meaning of a word that big? I said, bring it to Lansford. I said, I'm smart. I'm not educated. <laughs> she was like, you're a despicable person, but for some reason, I really like you. Mm. <laughs> I said, I know you do. And I said, and she said, I don't want to do this. I said, do your job. We all have a job to do. You did the company did their job better that day than I did mine. Mm. And it's okay. Mike Tyson, he did a really good job against Marvis Frazier. Not so good against Buster Douglas. That's just the life of a boss. Mm. I said, do what you will. And this is cold blooded part right here. She said, I'm going to give you three years. When time served, any other, because I did a year in county first, she said, you'll be out less than 18 months. I said, thank you, Your Honor. The DA still said, um, um, Your Honor, he's all, he was on felony probation for another violent crime. When he committed this, I think the state minimum is five. I looked over him and said, thank you for that. Because she was about to bang it inside. I said, thank you. There's no lesson you can't teach me in three years that you have to teach me in five. I'm like Kevin Hart. I learned my lesson the second you said I'll give a I'm already like, she said, I know you learned your lesson. But we're going to spend the next five years teaching it to you. I said, okay. It is what it is. Let's get on with it. 
Wow. Let's get on with it. And I need to get back to myself. I got a spread and peanut butter sandwich waiting on me. So <laughs> let's get this done. Let me get on that bus. It's not personal. It's not personal. It has nothing to do with you. You didn't set me up. I did this all by myself. Mm. If I don't blame anyone, it's me. And I'm not mad I did it. I'm mad I got caught. I'll be careful next time. Experience is the greatest teacher, but it's the most expensive because mm. experience has cost me time. Mm-hmm. Money is just dirty paper. I can lose that and get it back. I can never get my time back. That's why it's the most expensive teacher, but it's the most effective. So I remember us talking a little bit earlier about your dealings with the occult. You want to break that down for me? I don't want to scare your audience. Hey, listen, your audience is my audience because I know, because I, 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 I understand the science behind it. So I, I, want, I want you to clear up any misconceptions for another black man. See, I get it. They don't. So I want you to break it down for them. Uh, physics and science. Remember when I told you we were talking earlier and I said, Kemet just means black. Yeah. And they were known for the science they invented called Kemet Street. That means science of the blacks. Europe changed it to a C-H, but it's really K-E-M-I-T-S-T-R-Y. Kemet Street. It just means science of the blacks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not voodoo. It's not called black magic. It was referred to as blacks magic. You cut your leg, I put aloe vera on it, it healed. That's not devilish. That's not magic. That's science. It's just that when you're dealing with the ignorant, and I don't mean ignorant as a stupid, I mean ignorant as uninformed. You're absolutely. That's how it looks to them. It's all about perception. See, perception depends on your position. Change your position, your perspective and perception changes. Change that, and then your point of view will change. Mm. Ask me to prove it, because I prove everything I say. If you draw a picture of me, let's say you draw a picture of me right now. Mm-hmm. This is how I look, right? Absolutely. If I got somebody standing on my right and they draw a picture of me, it's going to look like this. Can you imagine the two of you arguing over which one is the real picture of me? Mm-hmm. That's how stupid it is. It depends on where you're standing. Change your position, your perspective will change. And when you change your perspective, then your position will follow. Mm. It, the only difference between those two pictures is that you're seeing me from the front, they're seeing me from the side. I'm the same person I have not moved. Mm-hmm. So it's like that. But a lot of people don't understand that. And I'm like, to quote my girl, Khalif, I can teach you. <laughs> <laughs> I can teach you. I had master teachers, master shamans, masters growing up. I'm the manifestation of wise men instead. From physical, from weapons, from martial arts, from mind control science, from this, that, and the other. That's what I want to talk more about is that mind control science, man. You know what taught me most about mind control? He wasn't a pimp. He was a therapist. Talk about that. He was a therapist. He was my mentor and he was a school teacher. He passed away. I met him at 16 years old. He was a teacher at Washington High School. I was the last person to talk to him when he died. When he died in 2018, I was in my 40s. I spoke to him every day, and he wrote me in prison. And he was never too busy to talk to me. 
Let's go to something else. Okay. Yeah. De- de- definitely. Um. Well, actually, we are we we've been coming on to damn near the three hour mark, man. Is there? I'm I'm gonna leave you with uh, any last words that you want to say. <laughs> oh no, no, not at all. I'm, I'm just saying my battery life is about to get low, and like I said, we've been running for damn near three, no, for almost okay, three hours. Last words. My books are available. At, it's gonna be a commercial. Um, Shameless plug. My books are available on printed book, ebook, and audio book at audible.com. All of that, and um, hurry up and buy. <laughs> my books are available in many different formats. You can find them at Amazon.com or you can find them at audio. Audible.com. If you want to deal with me directly and you want personal counseling, you can go to MickeyRoll.com and you click under services. Because I do personal tutoring. Mm. I do personal one-on-one. Because I can't give you a blanket advice because everyone's an individual favorite. See, your situation and your cousin's situation, that's not the same. Mm-hmm. So I counsel one-on-one. So you go to services and you can deal with me directly and I will call you directly and things like that. Uh, I have a channel, Mickey Royal. It only has 12 videos on there, but we like to book about the launch Mickey Royal show and amongst other things, you and I. So click like and subscribe. Oh, God, that's so hard for me to say. <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually on YouTube. But. Hey, man, so you know, the, ta- the times are changing. We got to change with it, man. So. Man, please. <laughs> You know, I'm a real career criminal. John Gotti doesn't have a website. No, but there's website. But but there's websites about John Gotti. About him, yeah. But you won't find John Gotti or Al Capone on on YouTube on. See, you ain't no such and such and such and such. See, they keep standing up. They really did this, and so I don't want to be categorized. Everyone, it took me. Everybody's been asking to do this for about 12, 13 years. I said I can't. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm just one of the type of people that feels that if you have a story to tell, you need to just go ahead and tell the world, man, and capitalize off your story. You know, it's your story. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I can't really see. You know what I'm saying? So when, when I got so old now, and you know, when, when you start at 13, 50 feels like it's 75. I've lived a lot of life, not a lot of years. It's a difference. I got a lot of miles on this engine, man. Wow. You know, so when people, when messages come on my phone, that's when I turn to Fred Seven with the reading glass, like, what do you think? Yeah, for whatever reason, I'm like I said, if anybody's saying anything in the comments, I you know, I'm not ignoring anybody. I just <coughs> don't see the comments. But, you know, I want to definitely say I definitely appreciate you being on, you know. This episode of the Professional Playboy Podcast, I look forward to having you on more episodes and getting getting some stuff out there, working together, doing some collabs, man. And uh, again, man, it's, it's, it's been it's, it's been a pleasure and a hell of a ride. You know, <laughs> it's been a hell of a ride, man. And I, I appreciate having Shotgun. It's my pleasure, my privilege. Yes, sir, man. And with that, man. We're going to go ahead and end it off, man. And um, y'all be cool and careful. And uh, don't hurt nobody. And um, yeah, we out.